Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. That's why in the mirror this morning say that, uh, you know, the weather is going to take a turn for the worse and temperatures are going to drop. I mean, there's nothing hugely spectacular about that. That happens as we go from season to season. But they <laughs> did read somewhere this morning that they're talking about three weeks of rain in October. So we'll say no more about that. And of course, you'll be turning the heating on. It's probably on already. You'll be turning it up. But you need to be watching out uh, who you're aligned to uh, for your gas and your electric and your oil and stuff because they're saying in the Indo today on the front page that customers will be racing to switch energy firms to try and get the best deal they can because of impending price surges and that's a front pager for them in fact in the UK <coughs> um, they've got plenty of fuel but they can't get it to the petrol stations, that's the problem and then it's led to panic buying but unfortunately the Red Tops like the Star this morning are saying that the panic buying has also seen um, petrol stations ramping up the price Places, which is rather unfortunate and greedy, to be honest. They're talking about, uh, you know, filling up a, a tank of petrol uh, costing about £75 now. I never knew it, actually, that the average fill um, with regards to how much your car will take is 55 litres. So if you learn nothing else today, that's a good one. Big press conference today up at Cork Airport. I love accentuating the positive. I mean, uh, of course Ryanair are going to go back to Cork Airport. Why wouldn't they? There'll be business there when the airport reopens. Front of the examiner this morning says Ryanair set to restore routes and reopen its base in Cork. Of course they will. They're a business. So that's good news. You might have some uh, report from that later on. I'm sure that Jamie will be there. And meanwhile, another great story on Side. The hotels are filling up, I'm told. A lot more business back. I'm told by people who have been visiting hotels that they're seeing an awful lot more corporate back on Side, And all that's good news. And the Metropole is recruiting staff. They're looking for 50, at least 50. And they need to have that staff on board uh, for the jazz weekend. So while uh, yesterday I was telling you that Duffy Circus are looking for clowns... <laughs> Tall air in need apply. Um, Jazz Festival means that uh, Cork hotels are also going to be hiring, which is great news. There's a lot of COVID old stuff, and undoubtedly there always will be. Apparently, there are more and more. How can I put this? Parent WhatsApp groups attached to schools where they share stories and information and a bit of gossip, I suppose. But there's a warning in the Independent today about parents being warned not to be using school WhatsApp family groups, you know, amongst parents to name children who've tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Interestingly, there are a lot of other stories related to COVID, including that very sad story of Joe McCarran, the 67-year-old who was taken out of hospital. We've all seen the video footage. If you haven't, I was telling you all about it yesterday morning. Well, apparently there were some people were asked to leave the funeral uh, of uh, Joe McCarran yesterday because they wouldn't and didn't wear face masks. So the priest asked them to leave. Um, they're talking about a lot more, you know, trying to get more young people vaccinated ASAP means they've decided now to put in 30 uh, pop-up vaccination centres at various colleges and um, they've been installed at universities and colleges across the country including including UCC. You heard that story there about dog fouling and dog poo particularly on Leaside. I'll come back to that later on. Uh, the story is that in a 17 month period, there's nothing new in this actually because year on, year on, year on they just can't fine people uh, for their dogs pooing because they have to catch the dog in the act. So you have to have a um, a poo warden hiding in a bush waiting for the, waiting for the dog to do the business and then pounce 
Um, so apparently zero fines issued uh, by Cork City Council in a 17-month period. I'd say at this stage, Cork City Council are probably saying, well, if somebody can come up with a way of us being actually able to fine people and dogs, please share it with us. Papers also talk today uh, of... Uh, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't know why they do this, uh, but the Red Tops and the paparazzi continue to hassle Catherine Zabone in New York. The story's over, lads. It's been put to bed. We've moved on. Um, you know, following a woman as she goes about her life in New York City, to me, is just not on. In fact, yesterday, Catherine's opponent had to tell one of the Red Tops, please stop following me and please stop photographing me. Does anybody find that just um, uh, disturbing? Zapone alone is a front pager. She go- I know we all know the history of the story. We all know the background to it. Uh, but following a woman around now and taking photographs of her and stuff like that. And it, would it be fair to say that the photographers follow her around, take photographs of her and sell her to newspapers? Um, we did see photographs and video footage of that brawl up in the West um, where there was hatchets and machetes and slash hooks and all sorts of stuff. Did you know that a lot of this has to do with feuding groups, uh, particularly in and around the Tum area. Now, I'm not saying that they're traveller families. I don't know, but um, we do know of feuds within the travelling community. Um, and I'm not saying that this was the case, but uh, you know, we all too often have heard of uh, slash hooks and knives, and there was even a saw at the recent one. And um, But anyway, the background to this is that apparently different feuding groups challenge each other. They challenge each other to fights. And sometimes they're laying down big amounts of money. It could be 30 grand to whoever wins the feuding fight. And apparently um, tensions recently boiled out, boiled over because of an unpaid debt for a prearranged feuding fight, apparently. And seemingly that's the price of a fight now between feuding gangs. 30 grand. Or Kelly is in all papers today, front pages and inside pages. He's been found guilty of running a sex abuse ring for many, many, many years. And he's been found guilty of racketeering and trafficking in a sex abuse trial in uh, Brooklyn, New York. That's a breaking story news from uh, overnight. It was a five and a half week trial and many people came forward and he was found guilty on all nine counts that he faced. I think many people involved in the prosecution of him didn't think he'd be found guilty of all of them, but yet he was. And and many of the papers then today talk about, you know, our, our body, our health, our body shape and how we look and the amount of time that you spend commuting. So if you, for instance, have a long commute twice a day, whether it's in the car, they have an awful lot worse up in Dublin. I know that. But could you imagine if you were up there? Apparently, it's good for you. Uh, commuting, sitting in cars, spending a long time on a bus or a train is good for your waistline, God knows how, and it's good for your mental health. They say it creates the division between your home life and your work life. It gives you time to think and to ponder. Look out the window. You know, scroll and mess with your phone. But, you know, when you talk of waistline, there's a story in the Times UK today that says, if you can't fit into the clothes that you wore at 21... You're in big trouble, right? And you could be a risk of diabetes. If we could park the diabetes for a moment, I would love to meet the person, actually. I really would. Who could fit into the same pair of trousers and jeans, say in their 40s or 50s or whatever, as they could when they were 21. It's absolutely impossible. I mean, like, I'm, I'm just about a 32, having struggled to get down a few years back from a 36 and maybe even a 38. But So I'm just about, I mean, depends on you buy the trousers. Some might be a 34, but certainly a 32. But there's no way on the planet that I would ever get into a size 28 pair of jeans again. I mean, is there? 
I mean, it just wouldn't. Pennies are taken to task in the mirror today by customers of pennies, incidentally. Because you can, apparently, they tell me in pennies, you can never trust pennies and their sizes by all accounts whether it's an 8 or a 10 or a 12 or a 14. So they're saying now that they're listening to their customers and they're going to take stock of the sizes because they're getting fear criticism. Apparently, the sizes, they just don't match or add up. And Doreen Allen is saying that we need to have cookery classes compulsory in school. I think everybody would agree with that one. Uh, I love it. And also, if you've got too much cash and not enough sense, you can buy the love of your life boy or girl in your life who's a Bond fan a toy Bond car it's an Aston Martin DB5 and if you've got a spare 105 grand Santa Claus might bring it uh, then that's the cost of the young James Bond version of the big boy's car and apparently it's the biz, it's got the revolving number plate, it's got the full replica dash, it's even got Gatling guns um, coming out of the headlights 105 grand, it'll set you back. And we were talking a lot on the air yesterday about bank holidays. And I'll come back to this later on because they are suggesting that an extra bank holiday is in the offing as a well done and thank you um, for everybody's work during the pandemic. But don't kid yourself. They're not doing you any favours. Because if you look at the league table, I'll come back to it later, but if you do look at the league table of bank holidays all over the world, we're pretty much paddy last with our nine. I can't find anybody who's got nine or less than us. So it's well overdue. But why did I hear somebody saying that the bank holiday should be in February? What in the name of God would you want a bank holiday Monday for in the middle of winter, a long weekend in the winter? It should be July or September. Neither July nor September have bank holidays. Surely be to God, that's where you'd put it, right? Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. It should be, uh, you can pick up the phone, 1850104106. Text 0868104106. Now, a um, story that's making all of the radio news this morning and has started in RT, on RTE and everybody else has been picking up on it. It's an RTE primetime investigates an investigation is underway it will air tonight i believe involving cork university hospital and cork university maternity hospital apparently multiple baby organs were incinerated overseas without the consent or knowledge of bereaved parents now i mention this now and let me also warn you that uh, I don't want to upset anybody with this conversation, particularly anybody who may have lost a child or indeed if there's anybody listening to me this morning on Side, because there are 18 families now were contacted by the CUMH uh, to inform them that the organs of their deceased babies, many of whom had died uh, months earlier, have been incinerated across two days back in March and April of last year. Aoife Hegarty is the broadcast journalist with RT Investigates. It's her story. She joins me by phone. Aoife, good morning. Good morning. Can you talk us through it um, and just give us the background to the story, if you don't mind? Yeah, well, as you said there, this incident first came to light in May last year when out of the blue, those 18 families who had lost babies at Cork University Maternity Hospital, many of them months earlier, received an unexpected call from hospital staff to tell them that organs which had been retained at post-mortem stage had been incinerated and they just wouldn't be able to get them back. Now, HSE standards are very clear. They state when families agree to organs being retained as part of the post-mortem for further examination, hospitals should do one of two things. They support the family, the next of kin, by either facilitating the return of the organs 
or they arrange their sensitive disposal by burial or cremation only on the family's behalf. So you can imagine the shock these parents got when they received their call, those calls. Now, there are people like Leona Birmingham and Glenn Callanan, a young couple from Corkery, who you'll see in tonight's report. They had twin boys, Lee and Lewis, at CUMH in September 2019. One of their boys, baby Lee, died a few hours after birth, and they agreed to a post-mortem to try and find out what happened. Um, uh, but... They are one of the people who got those calls in, in May last year and you'll hear Leona tonight describing that call as a blur. She couldn't take in the enormity of what she was being told. She asked for a letter from the hospital to try and understand. A week later she got that letter and it, it was only a few lines long and it was six months later when she and Glenn actually met with the hospital and it was at that point they discovered that it was baby Lee's brain which had been retained and in incinerated at a clinical waste facility in Antwerp in Belgium. And it was at that point the family say they were, their world came crashing. And what did Leona and Glenn expect to happen with little Lee's organ? Well, there is a, um, a post-mortem uh, booklet which is given to families in CUMH during the post-mortem consenting process, which clearly aligns with those HSE standards that I just brought you through, that one of two things happens. Um, so you can imagine that in, in the case of all 18 families, none of them expected that uh, it would deviate from what they were told during the post-mortem consenting process. It would have been expecting to hear back from the hospital at some stage with an option for burial or or cremation on Lee's side. And instead they received a call to tell them that uh, baby Lee's organ had been incinerated alongside clinical waste at a facility in Antwerp in Belgium. Now that's very disturbing when you mention clinical waste. Uh, So the baby's organs in the case of little Lee, his brain would have been in with... um, clinical waste from hospital procedures, dressings, uh, needles, swabbing. Is that what you're saying? Yes, we know that um, they they went with uh, organs or other limbs, for instance, from the hospital. And indeed, as you say, clinical waste could include the likes of needles, dressings, bandages, etc. And what, what what have the CUH and the CUMH said about this during your investigation? They have issued us with statements, but we, we've also seen internal hospital correspondence, um, which shows that mortuary staff at Cork University Hospital were aware in early 2020 that the hospital's burial plot for the internment of organs was full. They then made several unsuccessful attempts to find burial space where they decided cremation of the county's crematorium was not an option. Why? So Did they say that why that wasn't an option? That, that is unclear at this moment in time. Okay. Um, the result was that those multiple baby organs, um, which had been released by the pathology department, lay in storage at the hospital's morgue, in some cases for several months. Then along came coronavirus uh, and finding themselves facing the, re- the chance of increased deaths, a decision was made to free up space in the mortuary saying that that was made out of absolute necessity and desperation. However, one email that we have seen refers to some of these organs being released by the pathology department as far back as November 2019, which is obviously long before the COVID crisis hit Ireland. Now, for its side, CUH has apologised 
Uh, they say the distressing incident occurred under very extenuating and unprecedented circumstances brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic, while CUMH has told us it was not aware of the decision to send the perinatal organs for incineration. That, that, that they couldn't find space enough in the entire hospital for the organs of 18 babies? Well, you will hear from various experts um, in our programme tonight who will refer to the size that these organs would take up. I mean, obviously, they come from newborn babies, so um, they are very small um, and would not take up very much space. And did I read somewhere as well that there was some emails back and forth and, and one, of, one or two of them were internal emails, <clears throat> perhaps you got your hands on, that said that um, there may be some criticism uh, of our of our decision and, and and we need to be careful with the press. Is that right? Worse to that effect? Well, we understand that uh, a briefing was sent to the Department of Health in May last year to inform them of the incident. Uh, we believe that it was not categorised as a serious incident, um, but instead there were concerns expressed about the negative publicity for the hospital with this matter come to public attention. Now, we know that senior uh, staff within the hospital were concerned at management's assessment um, of the incident, and that prompted them to directly to the HSE uh, where they spoke about the need to actually take the distress of parents into consideration um, and that that was uh, of much greater concern than any potential negative uh, press. You you also um, look at this from a a legal perspective. Are are you suggesting tonight that there could be some medical negligence cases as a result of this? Well, that that remains to be seen. Um, But we do know, for instance, that um, when a similar organ retention scandal emerged in the UK um, back in the late 1990s, within a few years, they had um, enacted human tissues legislation. Um, we had our own human, uh, we had our own organ retention scandal here also in the late 1990s. So 12 years later, we're still waiting for the enactment of similar legislation here. Okay, and that show airs tonight on RT1 at 9:35. That's tonight at 9.35 on, on primetime on RTE1. And was it the family of uh, Baby Lee that contacted you initially, Aoife? They were one of 18 families, yeah. But um, yeah, we've been liaising with Leona and Glenn for some time now. And they will feature in tonight's programme? They will. Um, they'll tell their story um, in, in quite raw fashion tonight. Okay. Thank you for that. Thanks for taking the time this morning, Aoife. Appreciate it. Aoife Hegarty, broadcast journalist with RT Investigates. That's tonight at 9.35. I think it's very worrying. It's very upsetting. It's quite alarming, actually, uh, where you hear of two incinerations occurring on two occasions last year where the organs of 18 babies, um, tiny little organs now, uh, tiny, tiny organs, sent to Belgium and uh, incinerated along with clinical waste. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106 back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, some comments on that topic. Incidentally, Sarah says, absolutely disgusting and disgraceful. One of the reasons I chose not to get a post-mortem, most post-mortem on my baby as a personal choice was because I was afraid my baby wouldn't come back to me whole. The poor families. This hospital is on the media more and more these days. What else is happening there that hasn't come to light as of yet? Uh, Maria says, heartbreaking. The pathology staff should... 
Maria's suggesting that people should be sacked over this. How can they stay in their roles when they just discarded the poor baby organs in yellow biological waste bins and not tell management or COMH that they were disposing of them? At the heartbreak of the poor families, I guarantee you, they definitely broke protocols. Uh, Susan, oh my God, utterly despicable, as if the poor families hadn't suffered enough. Lacey says, an absolute disgrace, the poor families, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Imelda, a decision was made, was the terminology used. A decision was made. What a disgrace. Uh, hugs to Leona, heartbroken for you and Glenn and all of the other families, says Jonathan. Eight, 18 families. Uh, I've no words for these families, says Mags, and just two more. Blaming COVID and the HSE attack, of course. Bloody typical, says Aileen. Um, Linda says, I'd say investigators need to dig further back as well. How do we just know this was an isolated incident? They, they were saying, they were saying actually that the arrival in March of 2020 of coronavirus uh, and they were potentially looking at um, an awful lot more deaths than subsequently came as a result of COVID and saying they needed space to be freed up in the mortuary. Um, you would think that the amount of space needed and also the sensitivity of it all the sensitivity of it all uh, would mean that they could have found and freed up space or at least contacted the families again before they decided to make that move. Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106 and I can come back to that throughout the course of the morning. It's an RT tonight at 9.35. It's a Cork story and uh, needs to be watched. Meanwhile, um, try and accentuate the positive as best we can. Um, and this is, a, this is a lovely story, actually. Louise, good morning. Good morning. Louise is Hannah's mum, and um, it, it all has to do with your, your, daughter, your daughter's communion money, really, isn't it? Well, the, well, the money was the bracelet, the school we gave her. Yeah, yeah everything to do with the communion. So, what's the story behind it? Well, we went into town yesterday after I clicked her from school. She was getting her pictures in school yesterday. So, we walked away in town. What school was she making the communion with? Oh, lovely. Okay, okay. So, after they got their pictures in school yesterday, we said we walk in town, she wanted to do a bit of shopping. And they all got bracelets at the school, did they? The school got them lovely bracelets made up for the class, like, so they were, you know, they were were designed for them, like, like, that's what they were, like. And she must have looked lovely, I'd say. Oh, she was beautiful. She was like a little princess. Lovely. Okay, okay. But yesterday, then she came home, we got out of the taxi. She just came in and dropped the bags and she goes, Mom, my bags. So, and I didn't know what taxi we got into because I was going to have to jump in and into it outside the Savoy. So you, so you, you went into town after the communion for shopping, a bit of food and things like that. And what did she bring into town with her? Her communion bag, wasn't it? Her communion bag, that okay. was it, yeah. What happened? And she left it in the back of the taxi. And then we were up all yesterday, all the neighbourhoods were out yesterday looking at all their cameras and trying to help and everything. They were very good, as as well as you, you were very good as well. And we got it back this morning, the taxi man knocked this morning at half seven and handed it into our hands. And she started crying and all God love her. Are you checking the CCTV to see if you could get the, the reg or the, the plate of the taxi, the taxi, is it? The plate, because I didn't even know what company the taxi was from. <laughs> And at some stage, somebody got on to us, wasn't it? Was it Shannon yeah, or Mel- Mel- yeah. Melanie? Was that your, your, one of your sisters, was it? Yeah. Okay. And, and what happened then? Oh, they, everyone around, everyone that we knew was all sharing posts and everything. George, the poor child was up in the heat. They'd done everything they could to get it back. I think we gave it, it to Phil Burke, who was on the air at the time. He read it out and 
lo and behold, was the taxi driver listening? Yeah, there you go now, see? And, and he's a lovely man, God love him. And did you get a knock at the door this morning then? I did. Knocked the door half seven this morning before she went to school. She was delighted. <laughs> she was... Was she bawling, crying with happiness? Oh, she was... Oh, most of the rest this morning once the hands are the bad. She was very bad. I was crying and all. I gave him a big hug. <laughs> what was in the communion bag? Her bracelet. The school got made from her and about 100 euro. About 100, yeah, about 100, I'd say. It wouldn't be much. Because she, she she brought a few bob into town to do a bit of bit of shopping. Yeah. You have to be able to spend your communion money, or at least That's some of it. Yeah. Mind you, a little birdie told me she made 800, did she? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> if she did, she would... do a bit of counting when she comes home. If she did, she wouldn't tell you anyway, I suppose. I don't think she would. <laughs> What's the norm anyway these days, I wonder? Something between oh, five, six, seven. Dad, I'd say, yeah. yeah. There's no child needs that much money. And, and what happens with the? Let's say it's eight hundred. I'm not suggesting that it is. Uh, you know, Hannah's got eight hundred. But w- w- what would Mammy mind it, or would it go into the credit union, or what happens? Well, not with not with Hannah. Anyway, <laughs> Hannah, take, Hannah keeps an eye on everything. <laughs> Getting that now far. <laughs> so she got the the bag, the money, and the bracelet. That's right. She got it all back. She was weak. Delighted to be able to have. And what did the taxi driver say that he was going around in the car all day? Didn't know what to do with it. No, he said uh, he was. He went home after us yesterday, and he was finished up. So he's living out out, out the country. He said. So he said he came straight into this morning. With a- Everybody's listening to Red FM, and we deliver yet again, which is great news. I'm delighted for you. Delighted yeah, for yeah, Hannah as well. Brilliant. Thanks so much. And that's why I said. He said you'd be very surprised how much how many nice people are around the place, Hannah. Absolutely, it's a good lesson for her, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah, she's very relieved. Delighted. Okay. Well, listen. Everything worked out in the end. It didn't spoil the day. Happy days. Well done. Yeah. Thanks very much for all your help. And thank you for coming back, Louise. It's always great no. to hear the rest of the story. Appreciate it. No bothers at all. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Great stuff. Fantastic. It's always great to deliver and be part of a success story. So, another one done. Fantastic. Jackie, good morning. How are you, Neil? I'm good. How's the health? How are the lungs? Uh, They're not great. Are you on oxygen? Are you on oxygen? Not yet. Not yet. I'm on the nebulizer and inhalers and tablets for breathing at night. Because of the fags, you have COPD? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're smoking a lot? No, I cut down. Um, I smoked both 13, 14 fags a day now. And well, how bad was it when you were smoking more? I smoked about near enough to 40, I suppose. Every day? Yeah. Yeah. And you're desperate to quit, are you? Have you tried anything? I am. Um, I went to a hypnotist there going back two years ago in Tucky Street, but he never worked. I went to a fellow in Kinsale and got my ear clipped. Never worked. And I was off him for nine months, but I went back on him. I'm like an, like an eager, I did like. Just the temptation. Just I just have the one. I'm fine now. Is it? Yeah, yeah. And before well, you I know it, get, yeah, I need to get off him again. And the, you, you know, know what the me. you know what the hypnosis and the it's a little stud in your ear, is it? Yeah. Did it work for a while at all? Either of those? It didn't work at all. When they came out, I mean, you're not telling me you came out of Tokyo Street and lit up a fag like I did. Yeah, yeah. You see, I was asked to bring my friend in with me when I was getting it done. Um, and I didn't think it worked because she was sitting there. I said, "That's what happened." I needed to be on my own to get it done. And when you came, when you came out with your mate, why didn't she stop you from lighting up? I know she was only laughing at me. Being honest, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so none, yeah. none of none of it has worked. And how is yeah. your health like? I mean, can can you, you how are you for walking or you know moving uh, yeah. around or? Well, well, my walking is not good because um, I had four operations in both legs back in October. It's here now next month. Was that for clotting? Um, uh, yeah, I was on the HRT for the menopause. Right. And in ninety days, I got blood clots in my legs, and um, I couldn't walk because my ankles were getting tighter and tighter when I was walking. So I went to my GP three times and he said it was wear and tear. So I went to COH and lucky enough I did because there was one traveling to my heart and if I didn't go to the hospital when I did, I would have been found dead in my bed. And are they relating any of that to smoking? First, see, first when they done the blood test, they asked me was there anything different that I that I took. So I told them I was on the HRT for the menopause and they said between the HRT and the blood, um, the bags, it caused it. Yeah, so and it's caused it's caused weight gain. It's caused bloating, oh, yeah. um, steroids, yeah. antibiotics, constantly picking up sickness and infections and everything like that. Infections yeah. every two weeks. I'm on steroids, and you know I need to stop because I'm lucky to have my leg. Because every time I went down for my operation, I had to sign a form that I wasn't going to come back with a leg. So well, I was well, well, lucky well, to have it. What, what do you mean a form? You mean for amputation? Yeah. Was yeah. there a potential that you'd have to be amputated? Yes, and they can't do no more now for my legs, so I have to... When did you start smoking? I'm smoking since I was around 13, 14. Somebody just gave you a fag and said, this is cool. Back in the days, we just pick them up off the floor. <laughs> Back in the 70s. I know, I know. You and know? of course, like if you had your time over again, you certainly wouldn't oh, do that. You certainly are a slave to them. Yeah. I know. And tell know. me, you know, I was talking a lot recently about menopause. Is it hard? Is it tough for you? Oh my God, it's very bad. It's is sweat. It? Oh my God, it's horrible. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I wouldn't. It's really horrible. Yeah. Do you have many of the symptoms besides? I can't take nothing. I can't take no medication. You can't so take the HRT really now. now. Yeah. No, no. Not a blood class. I had four operations. I said, it's all German legs. Do you have yeah. many symptoms? Of the menopause? Yeah. Yeah, mood swings and sweats. The sweats are worse than anything else. Is that, is that every day? Every single day. I, I wake up in the morning and I, my whole body is just soaking from head to toe. Sweat. So yeah. you'd, have, you'd, have, you'd, have a, you'd have sweat running down your face? Oh, everywhere, yeah. My back, my neck, everywhere, yeah. How long is it going on? Uh, nearly three years now. And how long more do you think it'll go on? Hopefully not long more, Neil, to be honest. I don't know how long it, it lasts for, to be honest. Oh, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm really desperate now that I have to get off the phone. That's why I rang the show yesterday to get that hypnotist number in Clannock City. So could he help me with anything at all? They can help you, but you got to be you got to be ready for the help. You, you saying I'm that ready. you you saying that you walked out of the hypnosis and lit up a fag, and you came up yeah. from Kinsale with the stud and lit up a fag. Yeah, I did. You know, it's not all it's not all down to them. You know, you got to be. No, abs- it's not. You know what I mean? I know. And and with the menopause, do you find that the fags are a crutch? Then that they're a consolation and a comfort. Is it? Yeah, the fags are comfort just for me because of what I'm going through. Because because I've no quality of life anymore. I can't walk. You know, I can I can walk around the corner, and that's it. Because the pain, because they they cut into all the muscles and the nerves of my legs, and I can barely walk. So. And do you mind me saying how old you are? Fifty-three. It's, it's so young. You know. You know, you have you have a body that's not reflecting your age. I know. I, I'm, I have a body of a 90-year-old. 
Listen, we, we used uh, Brian Evans in the past um, and we had terrific success. He's the hypnotist right. you're referring to. He joins me by phone. Brian, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Just pick up on that, walking out of hypnosis and walking out from stud treatment and lighting up a fag. Is it just because the likes of Jackie just aren't ready? Uh, probably be because she's not ready, but uh, I wish uh, people who have been for hypnosis and been for smoking cessation um, it, it's not magic what I do uh, it's therapy um, basically over 90% of the people that I see for smoking stop after the one session but there are a few that need a second session and I wish that these people would come back I do follow up I follow up after about uh, 6 weeks and generally uh, those people would come back but some people uh, just take it for granted that it's not going to work and they, they won't come back. I just wish they would have come back and then they will stop because generally after a second session, they don't smoke again. Well, you say that they believe that it's not going to work. It, it's probably more to the point that the addiction and the craving is so strong. Well, after just 48 hours of stopping smoking, you've got no nicotine in your body. So basically, that's going to help with the uh, craving. It's not going to be half so bad. We had, we had a, a tremendous uh, success with your good self and uh, and Ita, who had a fear of needles, remember, and was frantically crying outside the vaccination centre. You'll you recall that case. Yes, um, I do. And, and with, uh, what with, a lovely that was, lady. That was and, one session, uh, wasn't it? Of that was one session, quite right. And in um, she went for her jabs. Yes, uh, I think it was about a week later. She called me to say that she'd just been in and she can't, couldn't thank me enough. And she was very um, upset on the air, if I remember correctly. Really, really well, upset. She, she was when she walked into the, into the uh, clinic. And when she walked out, literally, her fear was down to level one. Okay. And, okay. and that was it. Okay. So give me an idea... And thank you, Brian, for saying that you'll see Jackie. I, I do appreciate that. But how will you work with her now? Is there anything you need to chat to her about right now? Or do you leave that for the, for the I session? I think my mistake, sorry, Lee, I think my mistake was when I went, went to these people, I had my friend with me in the room. And then when we went to to get the air clip, I had my sister with me as well. Why does so that I make a difference? I think you had a, of, you had a packet of fags inside your bag, I say, did you? No, I didn't actually. You actually went and bought a packet? No, no, I didn't have no fags going in there because I thought I was going to come up without smoking. Yeah, but you came out of Tokyo Street and lit up. My friend gave me one, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. So you better have just on my own. You brought a friend yeah. for support and she gave you the fag. I know. Super, aren't I? Anyway, Brian, um, yeah. yes. how, how, talk to me about how you'll work with her. Um, well, basically, I'd have to sit and talk why she wants to stop. And from what I've heard you talk to her just recently is that um, she's got some major medical issues. She has to stop. Mm -hmm. If she wants to carry on living, basically, and I'm sorry I'm being so blunt, but if she wants to carry on living, she needs to stop, desperately needs to stop. And I will work with her and help her to stop. 48 hours, Jackie to get nicotine okay. out of your system completely. Does that mean okay. that the craving stops after? Clearly not, though. It, the craving is longer than that, isn't it? It is, but after 48 hours, the major part of the craving stops within 48 hours. And literally, if she drinks as much water as she possibly can, 
it will take away the majority of that craving. It, it will dilute the nicotine in her system and it will get rid of it. After 24 hours of stopping, you've got no carbon monoxide in your body, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone needs to stop smoking. They don't realise yeah. the burden that they're putting on the HSE. 6,000 people a year are dying here in Ireland from smoking. Did you try vaping or anything, Jackie? Um, my, well, no, because well, I did, but my doctor, my surgeon, that on my legs told me not to go on to vape. He said they're dangerous. More dangerous than fags? Yes, yes, Mr. Manley, nothing to see you here. All right, yeah. okay. And, Brian, there's no hypnosis where somebody is hypnotised into believing that if they light up a fag, they will absolutely detest the taste of it or the smell yes, of it. Do. Yes, they do. I, I do put some, some parts of that into the session depending on, on the client to be honest. It's, it's entirely up to the client. If they really want to stop, they can. And I, I can help really them do that. You really want to stop, Jackie? Yeah. 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 That's why I've, I wouldn't ring you otherwise. No, I know that. I know. Hey, listen, yeah. I know when people contact me that it's desperation yeah. stakes. It really desperation, is. Desperation, yes. But it's not all... Listen, Brian isn't going to be doing all the work on this. You're not, Brian? I know. I know. I'll have to do myself. It's a team, it's a team effort. Yeah. It really is a team effort. I want you to stop. I just want my life back. You can have your life back if you stop yeah. smoking. And I'm I sure every doctor's told you exactly the same. I know, I know. You're 53 years old. There's so much to live for, but you need to be I healthy. Know. You need to be able to walk around and breathe properly, you know? Exactly, yeah. I just, know. So th- this should be an exciting time for you. Yeah. Okay, okay. So what is today? Today is, is Tuesday. When do, you think you can, when, when do you think you guys could hook up? Right. Well, she'd like to give, if if um, if she'd like to give me a call, I'll um, sort something out with her now. Oh, okay, let's see if we can do something this week and uh, check in then on a weekly basis and see how we're going. How about that? Yeah, perfect. Okay, Jackie, and um, absolutely brilliant. Thank you. And uh, Thank you. Let, let's see what happens. You're the professional. I leave her in your good hands, Brian. All right. Ah, uh, you're very good. That's Thank enough. you. All right, Jackie. Absolute pleasure. Okay. If if something happens tomorrow, lads, we may even have an opportunity to chat again on Friday. But all the best to you, Jackie. Good luck with that. uh, The start of a new life. Um, And thank you also to Brian Evans, the hypnotherapist based at Langford Row in Cork. I'll give you some contact details for him a little later. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Another little bit of positive news for you on Leaside. I see the Echo reporting overnight that Funderland have announced a return to Cork. There you go. There's another thing to look forward to and there's lots to look forward to going forward. So, what is it, like nearly, what, 18 months, 20 months, maybe even closer to two years before Funderland uh, were down our way and they're back on the 1st of October, uh, which is this coming Friday. So, Funderland back on Side. Where will they be? Creamfields on the Tremor Road across from Mosgrave Park. So, that's a good thing, isn't it? Opens in Cork from 4 o'clock Mondays to Fridays and 2 o'clock of the weekend. So, Funderland for families, kids, and they're not so young. There's often, always an awful lot of fun at Funderland. So another great thing happening on Lee side is things open up and we, oh God, I nearly used the N word. Um, oh actually, can I just have a quick chat with, uh, with Ita just for a second? Because God, I remember the conversation with her on the, on the air. She was absolutely distraught. She was hysterical, crying. And it all had to do with needles. Ita, good morning. Good morning, Neil. That was a totally different you some months back. Remember it? I do, yeah, I do. And and after a session with was it one or two? One. All right. With Brian Evans, uh, in you went yeah. to, and you got your vaccination. 
I did. Yeah. And were, were did. you were you anyway bothered at all? Um, well, I couldn't say I wasn't bothered at all. No, I didn't dance into the chemist or, you know, I wasn't singing songs or anything like that. But I definitely would not have even been in Cork to get us before I went to Brian. Not contemplating it, never mind getting it done. What tools no. did he give you to overcome the fear? Do you recall? I do. Um, he put me under hypnosis. And my fear started when I was a little girl. I was five. Um, I had a very bad experience with a needle. Um, well, it was supposed to be done at school, but it wasn't. Was it um, pain? Was it, was it pain? It was It was shock more than anything else because my mother didn't tell me I was getting it done and she called me down the sitting room and the doctor was sitting there with this syringe in his hand and she turned me upside down and he rammed it into my backside and... That was that. Uh, yeah, that sounds traumatic to me, even listening to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For a yeah. five-year-old, I can imagine it would have been, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so, when I was under hypnosis, Brian took me to this beautiful garden. And he said, when you get to the garden, there's going to be a little girl there. She's five years of age, and she's very sad. And um, she was there. It's even... It's even lovely now to think about it. You mean you saw yourself in your mind's yeah. eye at five? You were there in the in the moment? Yep. That's yep. incredible. I saw me looking at me. Um, what's that, what's that like to, to, to see yourself as five years old? It's indescribable. It was beautiful. I would go to Brian every day to do that again. What were you wearing? I was wearing a little dress that I remember well. It was a stripy orange, white and green dress. And I had my hair was in ringlets because I always had curls when I was a small child. And I had white shoes and white stockings on me. And Brian said to me that the girl is very, very sad. He said, put out your arms and hug her. Which I did. And I could feel straight away. Ah, get away, you could not. Yeah, I could feel my fear was kind of lifting. Could you you feel yourself hugging your five-year-old self? Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. And I was actually crying. I could feel the tears running down my cheeks under hypnosis, but I I couldn't rub my eyes, you know, to do anything about it. So floods of tears, and you're in the moment with your five year old self in a beautiful garden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. It was the most wonderful experience I've ever had in my life. You would go back to him every day to to relive that experience. I would just for that. Yeah. Just for that. I'm just, I'm just thinking, I mean, even everybody listening right now will individually be thinking about their five-year-old self, you know? Mm-hmm. And what or it would they be probably l- think I'm a lunatic. <laughs> no, why, you know? why would you be a lunatic? You're telling the truth. Was there any conversation between you and your five-year-old self? No, but it didn't have to be. It was the look. Did she look, did you at five, did she look sad? She Very sad, yeah. Did you very, speak? Very did you speak to her? Or was it, or was it just telepathic, if you like? Yeah, no, I didn't have to speak to her. Um, I just put out my arms, and she came into them, and I could feel her in my arms. I could feel myself hugging her. That and, is um, just amazing, isn't it? Incredible yeah. the the things that we have filed away in different compartments in our mind or our brain, call it whatever you want, that we can mm-hmm. just you know we can't remember. We don't know it's all there. But under yeah. hypnosis, it comes out. Yeah, but it takes a very special person to be able to bring it out to it. It does, without a doubt. But it it means that every single memory that we have ever had is in our brain. Yep. 
So he, he told you to hug this. He told you to hug this sad five-year-old you. What else did he tell yeah. you to do? Um, a lot of different things. He went through a lot of stuff with me. That, like, I have a lot of idiosyncrasies, as my dad just to call him. Um, <laughs> fears of different stuff. Um, supermarkets. I panic. I get. I hyperventilate. Gone into supermarkets. I just can't do it. Like. Um, and now I actually can do things like that. My husband doesn't feel like divorcing me when I come out, and I can do it. All gone. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say all gone. I know. Certain I know. Times, but I do the exercises that he specifically gave me for me. Well, listen, this was you on the 2nd of July, just gone. Have a listen to this. Who's afraid of needles? Oh, me. Well, all your life? Yeah. It's a, a morbid fear. Like, I'm sitting outside the centre now, waiting. Right. and my husband has gone in for his second jab. And when he comes out, more than likely, I'll be physically sick. People say to me, you're 66, get over it. But it's this inbuilt thing inside me where I just want to go into a hole. You want to get vaccinated? I do, and I try and talk myself into it. I actually went as far as the chemist shop the other day. But as soon as I walked in, I can't walk, I can't feed my feet. It's horrendous. Isn't that unreal? That's just 30 seconds of yeah. where you were in July. Look at you now. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you'll go back again and visit your five-year-old self? Or do you think it might be some other things you might like to do in your life that you'd like to relive other experiences like that? I definitely, I would love to go back, yeah. Um, Tony taught me I'm welcome back anytime at all. And I would, I, I definitely will go back at some stage. Because you, you, you could go back and, and relive... Happy events in your life, couldn't you? There's no reason why you, why you couldn't go back and relive a, a summer holiday as a child or a wedding day or a, a son or a daughter's birthday, whatever, you know? Yeah, but I, I, I think you just can't go in and say, I like to, I'd like to relive this. You know, it's like the fear that was there. He, he, he was trying to take my fear away. Amazing. Like, that is just Like amazing. he said to me, you're not born with this fear and anything that you're not born with, you can overcome it. So when you got to the point of hugging, did he then say something that to to take the fear away? No, he didn't have to. Um, you hugged her? Yeah. And that fear that began as a five-year-old disappeared from you as an adult? Yeah, I could feel it going. Like, when I was hugging myself, um, and she was gone, but I, I felt happier in myself. Amazing. Happy, happier than I did for an awful long time. It's like a weight was lifted off me. Amazing. Good to catch up with you again, Ita. Thank you so much for coming back on. Delighted for you. That's an incredible story. No problem, Love to chat with you. Yeah, go I'm on. I'm sure that lady will get on very well with Tony. Well, you know, she has to. She wants to. Yeah. She wants to live and have any quality of life. She has to. Well, she's a memory face in him because he's brilliant. He's 100% okay. brilliant right. man. It's Brian. Thank you so much. You're very kind, Ethan. Thanks for taking the call. No problem. Bye now. Mind yourself. Uh, so that's the deal. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Brian directly yourself, www.quitwithbrian.com. He's the hypnotherapist on Langford Row and we'll keep in touch. Um, I'd love to hear of other people's stories of under hypnosis and the experiences you went through because for me that was incredible listening I have to say back after the break Hi it's Connor. join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red bringing you the biggest the best and newest names in Irish music Emerald Music Station of the Year 
Cork's Red FM. Wow. Uh, we got some great giveaways for you this week, including everybody's talking about the Bond movie, No Time to Die, and it goes on general release on Thursday. And we've teamed up with uh, No Time to Die and the Gate Cinemas, Cork, Mallow and Middleton as well. So uh, the screenings, five o'clock at the Gate Cinema, the 25th Bond movie. If you want to go with whomever you choose to take with you, we will organize tickets for you and also popcorn and uh, Coca-Cola. So uh, a nice visit to the movies for the latest Bond movie. You're listening out for this q to call. Call her 10 wins on one 104 106 Fairly straightforward. Have a listen. The name's Bond. James Bond. All right, so you hear that again between now and midday. Pick up the phone, one 106 And if that wasn't enough for you, if you're doing a bit of work on the home and you'd like some uh, nice additions to the home, then Easy Living Interiors have given me vouchers across the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 250 euro voucher. And Friday, a 1,000 euro. So a big jackpot win on Friday, a 1,000 euro voucher. Uh, from easylivinginteriors.ie. So who's hiding behind the sofa? Don't call just yet, but you need to identify this celeb. All right, door opens, somebody runs in, hides behind the sofa. Who is it? Um, mostly I, I survived, I guess, for, on, on a rare occasion. Um, I think it only happened once or twice. Straightforward enough then. Straightforward enough, I think. Uh, text, well, actually, that's a phone call when I open the phone lines. Um, but that'll be sometime between 11 and midday when I play that again. So 250 euro voucher for easylivinginteriors.ie. Lines open at one 850 104 You can text 0868-104-106. Now, get through some of those texts in about five or ten minutes' time, but I'm just conscious of phone, a uh, lot of lines here, Stephen, Jerry, James, and first up, Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm seeing a lot of texts from people coming in saying that water is the secret weapon in giving up fags. Drink water all of the time, particularly if you get a craving. Uh, how was it for you? Um, do you know, I found it very easy because I wanted to do it. I, I was I was fed up with smoking and I had tried several times before it didn't work. So I we I don't know, I just I came across this app called Quit Sure. Quit Sure. Yeah. Um it's a free app. So I mean I I wasn't gonna uh, like what was what did I got to lose? Yeah, so how did that work for you? Like what did what did it so involve? Basically, um it's it's an app that you use for six days. You smoke you continue smoking the whole time for the six days. And every day there's, there was about maybe five or six different kind of things you had to do, like watch videos or just read through them. It was kind of, uh, it was training your subconscious mind to think that you don't need to smoke. And what were the so, videos like? Um, they were different things, like just um, telling you how, how, We'll say television promotes smoking. You know, if you see someone smoking on television, you automatically think, oh, I, I need to have a fag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you see you see someone smoking, you think, oh, I need to have one now. Um, so it just kind of, there they were different videos. Like one of them was about what's in cigarettes and what it does to us. Okay. Um, the chemical reaction that happens in our brain. Um, and and you'd have to watch it maybe two or three times. They say you'll get a result in, it says here, can you quit smoking completely? An app promises results in six days. 
That's the one you're referring to. Quite yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you smoke while watching these videos and reading these uh, these messages. Yeah. Yeah. And at what stage do you what stage do you stop smoking? On the sixth day, the very last, I think there's maybe the second last video. While you're watching that, you smoke your last cigarette, and then you cut it in half when you're finished. You cut the butt in half and take a photo of it, and you keep that photo, and you keep thinking to yourself that I would never put that poison in my body again. Right. Okay. And how were you then in the hours and days after the last fag? I was okay. I was actually okay. Now, I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I would be impossible to live with. And the fact that both myself and my husband done it at the same time, I thought, no, this was... Why, were you work. always impossible the re- the, on the other occasions when you tried to yeah, stop? Yeah, yeah, always. Always. I would have always faltered. Like, after a couple of hours, I would have said... You know, would you be cranky like you would? Oh, cranky. Jeez, I wouldn't hardly live with myself. <laughs> Honest to God, I couldn't. It was just... It was awful, like... Um, I used to feel, you, you know, you'd feel actual, um, just cross and, and like, it was like as if the, I had nothing to live for. Yeah, Some, I know. So that, that, that yeah. app then and the messages and the videos, it was, it was, it was almost like a form of hypnosis in a yeah, sense, it was. wasn't it? I, yeah, I'd say that it was, but you know. Um, some people do actually go for hypnosis. Okay, okay. And were there um, cravings following the six or seven days? There was. I no, not really. To be honest, you would get an urge. You'd and were you a heavy urge. smoker? Well, yeah, I I'd smoke maybe I'd buy twenty a day. Okay, and when you'd get the urge, then after uh, the quit your app, how would you deal with the urge? The urge, I did actually go for water. Water, water. yeah, I've seen loads of water. And literally, I'd just walk up and down the house, just walk around the house. Never surrender. After water, no, never. Sometimes I'd go outside the back door because we always smoked outside. So sometimes I'd literally just go outside and walk around the garden. And what do you like now when you see people smoking or indeed you're in the company of people? Yesterday yesterday was the first day I was walking down the street in in Planakilty and there was a man smoking and I swear my stomach turned. Go away. Honest to God, I... I couldn't stick and I had to just walk even faster to get away from it. Go away. It wasn't a case yeah. that, oh my God, I love that smell. I love that. No. I want that. No. And it's, it's, it's strange because some people that quit smoking, like my mother, now she's 30 years off them, but she still loves the smell. Yeah, but at least she's still off them 30 years yeah, later. Yeah, she is, yeah. And did you put on weight or anything? Yes. All right, so you ate as a consequence. Yeah, but it's, now I'm three months off them now and the weight has just kind of stopped. You know, like, I think I've reached what I'm going to reach and it's up to me now. To so when you gave up the fag, what did you start eating more of? Um, I, I know it sounds like it, 20 questions. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I just, I kind of picked more at um, hard sweets and things like that. Ah, come on. Chocolate, surely. Yeah. Crisps and biscuits and no, buns really, and cakes no. and takeaways and Chinese and McDonald's. No, no, no not so much, no. Um, just hard sweets. And Fair I suppose, you're yeah. saving a fortune then, both of you. Is your no, husband? I don't see any difference in my, <laughs> in my money. There's always places Nothing. to spend it. Is your husband still off them? Yeah, we're both still off them, yeah. That's fantastic. So, the ki- and the, mean, kids, the kids will thank you for it. Well, that was my, that was my main thing. My no, thank you for I it. kept saying to me, 
Ma'am, when are you going to stop? I know, I know. And I said, you know what? That's it. It has to stop. Well, he helped you on the journey. He helped you on the journey, in fairness to him. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. good luck to you and to your husband and to Jackie, who at the age of 53 years has COPD, has tried on numerous occasions and failed. She's going through menopause and because of clotting in the legs and all sorts of stuff, she can't take the HRT, she's on steroids, antibiotics, very bloated, put on an awful lot of weight and literally can't even walk without a nebulizer. So she needs to change her life, doesn't she? Well, this is definitely worth the go. She's yeah. got nothing to lose by trying it. You better believe it. Well done. Okay, thanks for uh, taking Thank the call, you. Sarah. Good luck to you. Cheers. Thank you. Sure, she says. It's a free app. I just Googled it. It's there. You can download the app if you so choose. Lines open at one 106 Francis, thanks for holding. Good morning. Good morning, me. Not, um, not one pack of rollies a week, not two, but three. Three, and I used to break up my butts and everything. No, and the, what does that mean, break up the butts? I used to break up the butts and put it through the fish tobacco to get a nice... So at the end of the rollie, the ones that you couldn't, the bit, the tiny bit you couldn't smoke, you re-roll it again? i break it, break it all up and put it in a bit of fresh tobacco and smokers. And what's, yeah. you know, three packs of rollies a week, what would that be the equivalent to with regards to buying boxes of fags? Oh. Um, you wait to smoke a roly once, uh, one after the other, one after the other. Would you be like? Would you be on f- twenty a day, thirty a day, oh, forty? Jesus, no, you've been about about eighty a day. Eighty rollies yeah. a day. You're joking yeah. me. Yeah, I'm serious here. With me butts and everything. Yeah. So my niece, my my, I used to get my niece to spare her fags. You know all the butts. I put it to bed. She she gave me all the butts, and I used to break all them up with fresh tobacco and everything. The butts of her old fags you'd roll. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. were a total martyr. Yeah, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm smoking since I was about nine. And you probably drinking. started by picking up other people's butts, did you? No, no, no. I was I was taking people's fags from the you know my mother's fags, my father's fags, and my sister's fags, and things like that. And did they ever cop that you were smoking as a child? No, no. Up to the day my mother died, she never knew I smoked. Because smokers yeah. won't know other smokers because they don't know that they wouldn't be able to smell. You see, uh, but everybody else knew I smoked. But my mother never knew I smoked. Yeah, she never. But knew if I you smoked. were if you were smoking eighty rollies a day, you had to physically roll them eighty times a day. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I'd make I make about ten, and then when I have half of them down to five, I'd be making another more and more. Yeah, it's not a bother to me a, a roller, no. But you, like, but it must have taken up most of your day. Not at all. No, no. Once you're good at making rollies, you never give it up. You don't have that little gadget. Is that gadget around oh. anymore? No, no. I'm only off at the very six weeks, Neil. <laughs> yeah, but I know. And how did you quit? <laughs> I was saying it to my niece. I'm giving up the fags. And I said, I'm going to get um, one of them yokes. I haven't went through what the, the um, ODEAT thing, whatever it is. A vape? Yeah. I, a vape. So she got me the vape. There you are now, she says. And on the Sunday, I started. And I was smoking. And I wasn't, away, I wasn't out in her house. I was outside my own place. And I, nah, I wouldn't go outside the front door. Nah, nah. And then on the Wednesday, the following Wednesday, I had to go up to town and collect me money and do me a bit of shopping. And I could smell smoke, people smoking around. Then I run back home. I had to ring my niece to come in and do my shopping. I said, I'm not going uptown to do my shopping. I'm smelling smoke. <laughs> and I'm actually six weeks now on Sunday. Thanks be to God. Now, and I will admit, I will admit, in that six weeks, I was out my niece's house. She's she's up there in, um, oh God, uh, 
what for to track uh, that's okay. That's there. okay. Wherever she is. Yeah. I, I can't think of there. Oh, Betty Duff. Upper Betty Duff, County Watford. Yeah. Right, yeah. There she is. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So she came in and did me shopping and things. And then I was up in her house. And then I had to put my, I packed my bag to go to her house that evening. And my bleeper wouldn't work. And I did take two of her fags. Your bleeper wouldn't, to, what do you mean your bleeper? Well, the vape wouldn't work, is it? Yeah, that wouldn't work. So I did smoke two for fags until this charged up for me. <laughs> and yeah, since since when, since um, Sunday, sweat card, my niece will tell you, I'm off them. And this Sunday now will be seven weeks and I'm proud of myself. And as you said, people would say, you have to drink plenty water. And I didn't know anything about water. I, used, I was drinking army life as well, like the cans every day of the week. Cans of beer, and is it? Cans of beer every day of the week. My niece will tell you all this. And then did you ever go? Did you ever go out to I work? Never between used to drink, I used to never. I used to never drink water until my niece was. My niece, what's she? To my niece. And she's and how niece. many cans of beer would you drink of a day then? Oh, I'm still drinking meat, and I'm hoping to get the hop now in the next. So how many week. are you drinking? I'm actually after five now this morning. Ah, Francis, you're winding me up. You're not. I'm not winding you up. My niece will tell you this all this. You've had five cans of beer already this morning. It's twenty past ten. Yeah, I'll drink another about five or six. Anybody with any any of my niece's crowd or my young family would tell you that. So yeah. you would drink? Are you saying you drink a dozen cans a day? I drink about twelve a day. Every a day. day. Every day. And my niece and her mother and everybody would tell you that. And why do you do? Why do you do that? I do be depressed and blah blah blah. You know what I mean. So. But you're the, the twelve <laughs> cans a day will make you even more depressed. Are you not sick in the mornings? No, since I give up the fags now and drinking the water, I'm feeling good. And I, I'm after saying this to my niece last week. Kelly, I'm going to give up to drink. I don't think she will. She says, I said, Kelly, I am. I said, give me another few days now or a week well, or a week or two. I will give up to drink. You, there's no there's no reason why you shouldn't. If you can do it with the fags, yeah. you can do it. Or you could, you could at least start to cut down, couldn't you? No, I'm happy now with, with the, the, the thing in my hand. No, but the, I'm talking the, about on the... I mean, you say you've had five cans already. I'm after five cans already, yeah. And are you feeling a bit kind of tipsy? I'm not tipsy. I'm okay, like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. so your life evolves around drinking cans of beer and smoking rollies, okay. is it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. But no, once I give up the drinks now, I'll and how do you afford it? Full time drinker and smoker. There's only there's only twelve ten euros for, for for twelve cans every day. Is that all? You but can I, get twelve cans of beer for a tenner. I guess twelve cans of beer or a little Zorelli. Doesn't bother me at all where I get it. Once I have a drink of me, doesn't matter to me. But then I but do it's me a bit 70, of But it's seventy then, euro a week for the cans, and it's yeah. Uh, then I do me a bit of shopping, and then I do me, me getting me gas and me SB, and I'm happy out, and I pay for me sky, and I'm happy out. Yeah, I mean, Ethan looked after me if I stuck for anything. Yeah. So. And did you ever work or anything, Francis? I did. I, well, like tomorrow, I'm not. I'm not going to get into conversation now with you. But I did go to and did the industrial schools. You know All I mean? right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're carrying a lot of mental torture, misfortune. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, misfortune. So I'm going to hang up. I'm going to hang do up you, now. Do you need uh, any? Do you need any help? No, I was. I was. I was in um, their pack house. 
Uh, but I do you know, I know, you misfortune, I know, but like with regards to giving up the drink or, you know, maybe uh, you don't need any help in that regard? Or you, you don't I know, think- I, I'll go through that many. I'm already at the same to many. I'm going to give up the drink and I said to her, to her mother and I said to Well, it seems as if you have good family around you, in yeah. fairness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my niece, is about, I'll be last on his my niece. All right. Last on you, but you're yeah. happy, are you happy? Are you happy the way oh, I'm very happy once I see the kids hurt. My, my niece have three kids and they keep me very happy. All right. Oh, well, I'm de- listen, I'm delighted yeah. about the Rollies. Stay yeah. stay strong on that now and stick with the vape, you know, and before you know it, you'll give that up as well. And come here, you might start You might start cutting down on the on the old cans as well. And That's what I said. Now, another week or two now, and I'm, I'm going to give them up as well. All right. Well, would you mind if, would you mind checking in with me again in a couple of weeks then and we can chat and, I mean, just stay in touch? Yeah. I'll give you a ring there. Um, I'll give you a ring when I'm off at the beer three weeks. All right. I look All right. forward. I look forward. Or even, or even, oh, no, or even three weeks. A month. A month four or even weeks, just, month, yeah. just cut down, you know? Just cut down. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I'm going to do it. All right, Tony. Thank God you bless. Me. Take care, friends. Right, We're talking right. in a few weeks' time. Thank you so much. Text 0868 104 um, I'll talk to Shane and then I'll go for an hour break after Shane. That's an incredible story. Shane, good morning. How are you getting on, Neil? Good, my man. Are you driving? Is it safe? I'm just trying to find now. Pull in there and I'll come back after the ad break because I don't want to be the cause of a crash. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Is that any better, Shane? Let's see if I can get... No, okay, he's not there. All right, so we'll come back again as soon as he's sorted. Um, and a big response yesterday, actually, to different topics of conversation, including our conversation with regards to uh, if there's a bonus, who gets it, who's entitled to it, who is frontline, who's not. Uh, with a bonus for workers who work throughout COVID, I'm a frontline worker in a nursing home, a private nursing home. We won't be getting anything for doing it. And we got nothing from the nursing home itself. I think it's not fair or right. I don't know about that. I would have thought that um, nursing home frontline workers would be amongst those within the health service that were frontline if a bonus comes. Um, what about the army? Shouldn't they be included for the bonus? They brought people to test centres and don't they deserve it? Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Why not reward the women that went through labour alone during COVID? What about home helps, says Dan? Uh, what about the childcare workers, Neil, who went to work every day looking, looking after doctors and nurses and healthcare staff children while putting their own lives and families at risk. And by the way, our wages are practically minimum wage and we are just like glorified babysitters. Uh, I worked in a private nursing home all last year until Christmas when I contracted COVID myself. I'm still out of work after being very ill. I wonder where I stand regarding a bonus private nursing home. I would think that that would be frontline healthcare. I worked in a nursing home right through the pandemic, never missed a shift and thankfully didn't contract COVID despite working in positive COVID zones. To say January to March this year was soul destroying is an absolute understatement. It was such a very difficult time on so many levels, which which left so many healthcare workers feeling so deflated and so undervalued. There's a lot of residual hurt and low morale from what we had to endure during that time, from dealing with COVID-positive residents to death to wearing full PPE, poor or non-existent management. As a result, so many wonderful nurses and healthcare assistants have decided to leave healthcare. These people will probably be overlooked for this so-called bonus, which will further add to the hurt. My daughter works in retail and got 10% extra in their pay along with a 20% discount on in-store purchases. Here's me and my colleagues praying with and holding people as they died without their family. 
and then having to put them in double body bags. Yes, I did all of that. Not a penny extra did we receive during the last 18 months. The only extra money came from the extra shifts and hours we were forced to work. Sorry, Neil, if I sound so negative. Love to come on air, but I wouldn't get through the call. Well, thank you for the text all the same. You really do lay it on the line for us. Uh, there's lots more like that. I'll come back to them for that, of course, in the morning. I see, actually, um, there's a, an interesting report this morning. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be overly dwelling on COVID or, 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 you know, stories related to COVID unless it's necessary. But there is one making uh, the Red FM news this morning that says that about two thirds uh, of the 66 COVID patients in ICUs are unvaccinated. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's according to the Intensive Care Society, they're saying that nearly two thirds of the COVID ICU patients in our hospitals are unvaccinated patients. Um, I think that's worth repeating. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Let's see if that's any better. Shane, thank you so much. Can you hear me now? I can indeed. Can you hear me? I'm good. Forty years on the fags, was it? Yeah, smoking away like a teenager. So you must have started. Like, how old were you? Uh, Twelve or thirteen when I kind of started. Instant, you know, getting started, and then um, was, was obviously that, escalated. Was that right? with your pals? Like, was that? Yeah, that kind of thing. Run the school yard and everything. And were you smoking many over the forty years? I was up to 40 a day at one stage um, and got that down to 20 a day or there or thereabouts, maybe at the weekend a bit more. But uh, Did you did you find if you socialised, I had a few pints or something, you'd, you'd smoke Absolutely. more? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the I way of it. Ate them. That's yeah, the way yeah they were better than burger and chips. And did the smoking ban not help in any way like that, no? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I couldn't see how it no, made no difference. In and out. Everybody was out smoking. I mean, there was an article in the Independent shortly after the smoking ban came in saying that, that the, the new meeting spot is in the smoking area. The best crack is outside in the smoking area. Yeah. That is Actually, supposed to be true. Uh, yeah. A yeah. brother of mine started smoking because all his mates were out, outside. <laughs> he was left on his own standing there and he ended up smoking. Oh, that was sorry. Was one. God almighty, how does he feel about that? Uh, he's getting off. To, I think he's off to now, actually. But um, he was the only one left at the yet. table or at the bar counter. He was the only one left. Yeah, only one there. Billy Nomets standing there in his tod, everyone in and out having a fag, all going together, come back together. Anyway, I won't, I won't ask you. To, I won't ask you to add up the amount of money you spent on fags because that would probably depress you. But you probably you probably enjoyed every single one of them. But a time came when you had enough. So what did you do about it? You got down to twenty yourself, and then what happened next? I I tried I tried smoking rollies. I tried doing the vape. I, I, this is great work for a while, but it just, look, at I slipped again or whatever, you know. But I got word of this woman called Elaine Geary, and she's up in Nace or Newbridge, like, for some reason I can't remember. All right. And she does a thing called bioresonance. Bioresonance. Does it work? Resonance. Oh, absolutely works. Let me tell you. There was a buddy of mine, he was smoking away like me, and he went up, and he was after him for two years, and he was saying, you got to try it, you got to try it, and I was there. Didn't have any faith in it. Is it a it. machine? Hypnosis. They hook you up to a machine, you take your socks and shoes off, you put your feet on a, a gold plate, and then you hold two gold terminals, the gold plate for conductivity. Right. And I couldn't figure out how it worked, but there's a few different things you do. You... Uh, you bring a, a, a half a cigarette from the night before that you smoked and you, you give a sample of saliva. And what happens, and the, the crux of the, the, the thing is, it reads your craving. So yeah, you're not allowed to smoke for about two hours before you go for this. And it reads the craving in your body. This, and everything in your body works off electrical pulses. Everything, feelings, nerves. Um, I, I think if you get a cramp, it's an, an electrical impulse in your body. 
that causes these things. So it reads this craving, which spotted somewhere, and it says, right, this is the craving. This is what she was telling me anyway. Whether she was lying to me or not, I don't care. It worked. I sat there for about 45 minutes or 50 minutes hooked up to this machine, and every, every electrical signal has a thing called a sine wave. If you were to draw it on a piece of paper, you'd have a sine wave. It's okay. like a curve, hills and valleys, hills and valleys. And she sees, she reads this sine wave, and she puts the exact opposite. She introduces that into your body. So your craving is, is, is creating a sine wave. Of a she curve. reverses the craving energy wavelengths. She doesn't reverse it, she inverts it. And she introduces the inverted version of it to your system. So when you're craving and the inverted version meets, it flatlines to zero and there's nothing there. Okay, okay, all right. So, so, so that's a theory. Uh, and, and how many of those sessions did you have? One. And how were you after it? Right, well, I had to leave from Cork to go up to this place in Newbridge or Kildare or whatever it was. And on the way I was leaving, I was there were three cigarettes left in a packet. And I said to myself, I'm not going to buy any more fags now, showing up to this woman. She goes, buy them and smoke them. She tells you to smoke like it's for forever until two hours beforehand, before your appointment, you've got to stop. So I went off and I smoked the three out of the box I had and I bought another 20 and I smoked three out of it. And when I pulled up outside your woman's door, I hadn't smoked for two hours and I had 17 cigarettes in a box. I left them in the, in the, beside the, the gear stick. Went inside your woman and I drove away down the road, back down to Cork, where I had smoked six going up the road and didn't even think of the cigarettes on the way back down. No craving. And any craving since? How long ago was that? That's over a year ago. Right. And what was the business of bringing in the half-smoked fag? What was that for? I, I think it's too... It, 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 I suppose, look, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that it's, it's like getting the fingerprint for the actual craving so they can pinpoint what they're doing. And, tell, and do, you, do you believe that bioresonance was the reason why or that it was mind totally. over matter or just planted the power in you? Totally, because I did the Alan Carr book, I did the vape, I did the willpower. I was after for three years on willpower and still went back on them. How do you know that and won't I happen again? It won't, no? Do you know what it is? I'm, I'm, I'm SH1T sick of it. <laughs> Of the whole thing, so I'm not going back on them. And do you stay away from people that smoke, you know? No, the, the smell of them now turns my stomach. Yeah, I, right. I think people are so inconsiderate. I think, <laughs> and I think to myself, by God, I was one of them for a long time. I couldn't believe Why are they inconsiderate? Oh, no, I, I, I'm only saying to myself, well, I'm thinking they're how inconsiderate they are, you know, because of the smell of them, you know, because there's no need to be smoking. Oh, I got you. This is the, you know what I mean? I'm, and, I'm not saying that. Really. And, and did that, how much did that cost you? I mean, you know, obviously. It was 200 euros. Okay, and she gives you a little bottle of, of potion, we call it, I don't know what it is, a drop of water in a bottle that has this kind of help. Now, that was kind of like the, I'd say the... the who knows what it was? Of, who knows what it was, yeah. yeah. But if anyway. you get a bad grave and you take a drop of it under your tongue. but Like a rescue uh, remedy or some equivalent to like, that or something, yeah. Yes, but it was something to do with the bioresonance that had this, this entity. It was, it was good for three or four days. And then the, the whatever, whatever was in it. And you're good to go ever since? Ah, uh, stop. Couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And her name, I'll give you a name and number. Um, she's more than well, she was on the late, late and everything and nobody seems to, she's the only person in the country doing it. Okay, um, well let's, let me have the details and I'll pass it on to people if they so choose to talk up with her. Oh yeah, she's well worth getting a hold of. I mean, okay, and if it doesn't work and you feel like you have to get a second session, all right, she will say, look, don't smoke, right? Come back up and, and don't smoke and we'll give another blast of it which is hard to do like how do you know it's not working unless you smoke but if you're suffering 
basically. If the cravings are becoming overbearing. But and, and are you, how do you feel physically now? Do you feel an awful lot better? No. Well, I tell you, Lord of mercy, my mother, she used to say it'd be cheaper to keep a picture than myself because I ate round me. But when I, when I stopped smoking, I didn't even notice myself eating more, but I ate more and I put on a um, balloon in here. I'm like a barrel. Cool. But I'll, I'll, get, I'll work on that. You know, I'm not addicted to food. So did you revert? To, did you revert to a lot of junk? Is it? No, no. I was just a big eater anyway. You know, and I think my age is, is the fact, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't want to rep- you don't want to replace one health issue with another, I suppose, either. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm in sniper rally with my age group. You know, I you know I need to cop on sniper rally. What's that? The fifties, is it? It's close to fifty. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You get through sniper rally, you live forever. Good luck to you. Cheers, Shane. Take care. Take care. All right, bye. Bioresonance, he says, lads. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Back after these. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Keep your calls coming. 1850104106. Students are never far from the news, and of course, more recently, to do with freshers and sophomore and the partying and the uh, antisocial behaviour up around the college road. But yesterday, um, I was reading in the Echo, as a front pager, I was mentioning it, that uh, students are so poor now and so hungry that they are uh, couch surfing, that they can't afford uh, the rent in uh, rental accommodation here on Leaside. So they're doing everything and anything they can just to cobble whatever money they can together uh, to pay for that rent, but it leaves nothing for food. And uh, the story in the Echo said that students are so low on food that they're going to penny dinners now to be fed. In fact, penny dinners are now giving college students what are called survival bags. Survival bags. Katrina Toomey joins me uh, from penny dinners. Good morning, Katrina. Morning, Neil. What are survival bags? Well, they're a bag and it's it's in the bag there's a hot meal like your dinner and you have soup plus you have um, sandwiches, a um, bit of fruit, bottle of water, a juice, bag of crisps, bar of chocolate, you know, enough food for to try and help them get through the day and stuff like that. But like another thing now that's coming out, we, we used to have students all the time, Neil, but we wouldn't have had a lot of students, but we did have some. So we're kind of used to the student people coming to us and they would just say, look, we're short and, and we have, you know, not enough money like for to, to buy the food. But we have a huge amount of students now contacting us because there's a, a bit of a crisis there because of the rental, the the price of, you know, they're being priced out of it mm. and they're having to share and share. we were talking, I was talking to a student the other day and she told me she's in a one bedroom place and her friend is in there with her yeah. and she sleeps in the bed one night and her friend sleeps in the following night. Good God. It's just the only way that they can do it by half of the money to get rental, you know, and, to, and, to rent a place. And, and the food that you give them or the survival bags, do they come for them every day? Oh, they do. Yeah. They do and they'd come at the weekends as well. Do you know, and sometimes they come before class, they come after class, they come in between class. But what 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 UCC now are going to do and we're going to help us where there'll be a food bank up in UCC. We were supposed to do it before the pandemic, before the lockdown and all of that and everything kinda went up in the air. So no, it's been rolled out probably maybe next week to start the next week. Yeah, but why do you have to put a food bag into UCC? They're so rich they should do it themselves. You know, this is part of the students' thing. It's got nothing at all. To, you know, it's just that they're going to facilitate the room up there. But are UCC it, as, a, as a university doing anything to combat oh, yes. the fact they're that their students are hungry in class? They are. They're pulling out all the stops. Okay. They always have. And if we, if we contacted anybody up in UCC to say like that, 
you know, there's kind of, uh, you'd have a concern about somebody, straight away they'll start to insult Fathom as well in the canteen. Like everybody is doing, like from UCC point they're doing everything they can but some students just like to come down get their stuff and don't even anybody know maybe within you know most of them now don't seem to mind you said in the article that they don't they're not bothered that people know that they're going to you they're not bothered no because they have to survive and I think it's kind of it helps them to know somebody else is doing it as well and they do it and um, you know they eat the food like before when they used to come in from any college, like from you know, they'd come in and they would like be in disguise, like trying to hide who they were and not kind of say like that we're students. Because everybody, see, years ago, I suppose when students were in college, like they probably came from a wealthy background, but that changed, yeah. that evolved down through the years. But you know, ordinary folk being able to, you know, put their sons and daughters. The grant, the grant doesn't cover everything. Yeah. It doesn't cover everything, and it's not enough. And and. A lot of the students, and I think it's admirable of them, said that they don't want to go back and tap into any more resources from their parents because their parents mightn't have it either. Might Do you think that there's college that students have. coming to you at penny dinners whose parents don't know that they're going without food? I'd say so. Oh, my God. They won't tell them. Uh, they, they won't tell their parents. We, we know that because they say, look, they've enough worry trying to get us through this. And they might have other kids at home. Just remember, there might be a lot more than that one student that's going to UCC. You know, like, you'd get, they'd tell you little bits and pieces. Like, we've one fellow saying, like, he's the first in his family, like, for that he they know of, like, that's made it to, to third level and that's in third level. And he said he wants his brothers and sisters, like, to be able to live up to him. Okay. And he, he just, you know, and he, he gets an odd job here and there, but it might be only one night, like, and he sets his cash in hand and when he gets it, he can buy what he needs, but he doesn't get it all the time. So just the, the times when he doesn't get it, that he comes to us for it. And I know a lot of people have been saying, like, that the students, you know, the, the, the drinking around the area and all of that, like, but not all students... You know, no, there's just there's and, just a worry, yeah. Katrina, that you might be taken yeah. for a soft touch, you know? No, definitely not. How do you know? We know them. We know them. We get to know them. And you know what? They come in, they volunteer, and they they give of you know, give hours to us and stuff like that. They're they don't know how to repay it. I suppose first they don't know how to ask, then they don't know how to repay you, but definitely not. Look, Neil, I'm not a soft touch, by no means. Oh, yeah, so I know, I know. I'm I know, not. I know. And, and, like, that's... Uh, so, like, if anybody's worried about that, like, that's not happening. These students are genuinely hungry, like, you know? And, like, you know, when they come down, like, when they get their food... You know, some of them are practically eaten out of the bag because they're so hungry. Oh, no, I, I don't think anybody is, would be denying that they're not hungry. It's that they, well, they it's, might say that they're not, hungry because they're spending not, their money no, elsewhere. Definitely, no. definitely no, not. Okay. I, can, I can, you know, look, I just put people's mind at rest on that one. Get that one out of your heads. That's not happening. That it, it says in the Echo article, the most sought-after edible items for students include things like rice, pasta. Some of them are living on little else other than dry cereal to make ends meet. That's, yeah. that's truth, truthful. That's true. That's what's happening. And I mean, if you if you get onto the student union up there, um, they'll they'll tell you this as well. And there is a need, and they're going to set up the food bank. But we will help them because we care about the students. As, you know, it doesn't matter who's hungry. What we do is, you know, it's supposed to help people that are hungry and get rid of it as fast as we can for them. Yeah. And do any of them have part-time jobs? Because a lot of the lot of the college work now is online or from home. And, you know, some of the courses might only be 10 or 15 hours a week. Can they not get jobs? There's a real shortage of... Some of them have, but there is a shortage. And what the, what what's crippling most of them is the price of the accommodation. 
they just can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. So they're making, they're doing things to make it affordable for themselves the best way they can. And like some of them like would probably have their rent paid for by their parents because they, you know, they'll get the Susie grant or whatever and stuff. But it doesn't stretch to everything. And the parents step in and they help. But like, can you imagine going back like to, to your parents like, I need an extra 50 every week on top of that. If they're already paid out 100, they might not have that 100 to pay out. They're struggling to pay it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I've also you know? was reporting earlier in the week that a lot of students are, are literally coming up and down by bus from your Waterfords and your Kerrys and your Limericks every day because they can't afford the rental prices in, on Leaside, you know? And their they're tumming lifts up and down as well. Yeah, yeah. We hear yeah. that too. And are any, of them looking for, are any of them looking for help with bills, though, or anything like that? No. Do you know, the students' union up there is very, very good and, and they have their, you know, they can kind of go up to anybody up there. They're, they're absolutely very good and we hear a lot of it because... Pat Cotter up in UCC, like he's he's on our management team below, so we work very closely with them, and and uh, and all of them up there. So we know like that they care and they do look after, it. like other colleges do as well. You know, CIT, the whole lot. They, yeah. they all do what they can, but the amount, the the numbers are very very big now. And will so you I be able to cope? We will. Sure. Look, Neil. We're always able to cope. If, if you if you spend a week with us and say what we do, you'd actually realise like that the one thing we can do is we can always cope and we can always, you know, ask somebody, you know, if we're short of something for it. Like, but we cope very well. We're kind of used to it. Same when the the lockdown, the first lockdown set in, there was no one out there, you know, and we just put the boys on the bikes and they drove around the city night after night after night delivering hot food to those that were sleeping on the streets. So you have to look at different ways of doing things when a crisis occurs and you have to make sure that it's going to work. No point in doing something that you think will work. But the days of people just who are homeless, the misfortunes on the streets, you know, going to you, those days are gone now. You have entire families now that are coming regularly, not to mention the students now. You do. Yes, you do. Uh, And um, we have, um, uh, you know, like we have... We have some kids like that come like and they come with their parents and they're looking for hot chocolate like and, and they're all excited about getting a hot chocolate, you know, and that's what the, all the kids are looking for is their hot chocolate yeah. like and we know how they like it. Like I was into one of the men inside making it the other day, he was making hot chocolate with no sugar. I said, I should go mad. I said, they're not going to, they're not going to drink that. Like, he was trying to give the health the option. That's not what they want. He was. He was like, but the kids wanted a bit of comfort and a bit of love, and like, you know what I mean. And and all right, like there's sugar in it, like, but that's what kids, you know, wanted. Oh, like, for and, God's and sake, what, absolutely. Yeah, and that's what they were looking for, you know. So he, he was laughing. I said, so I don't, don't 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 do that again, because the kids were at the door and they were drinking the chocolate, and he was saying, "Is that nice now?" And they were. Oh, and like you could tell by the right. And that's a home. That's a family that hasn't got food on the table at home. A family with three children, yeah, and they come down after school for the dinners, and she comes down with the kids, and there's like three hot chocolates, like for the kids. And what I mean, uh, what's what's the life story behind that hot chocolate? Is there not there's no work or not enough work, or the wages are shocking, or or what? Look, a breakup. Yeah. And people always think like that. A single parent, like was. May have always been single, but and and, and are a parent like you know that's raising a, a lone parent, you know that that's raising a child. May have you know, but like there are partnership breakdowns, there are marital breakdowns, you know, and, and all stuff like that. So 
we get people, you know, we have a woman that's coming to us like well into her 60s who herself and her husband broke up recently and she's homeless. God almighty. And she's had to leave the family home. And like she was in a state of shock when she first came, but she's with us about two months now. And she's doing a bit better and she doesn't mind coming over. She said, no, girl, she says, you know, and like she one morning she says, beggars can't be choosers. Like and I heard when the volunteer said to her, but you're not a beggar. Yeah. You're just struggling at the minute. Yeah. He said, and you'll get by, he said, and it won't always be like this and things will pick up for so you. So you hear and, and all the life like. stories, don't you? You you do. Some will tell you, not me. People that come to us for years and years and we barely know their first name because yeah. they don't want to engage. They'll yeah. just take their bag and go like and yeah. say thank you and that stuff. But those that like want to say a few words, like we will, you know, we will listen to them and just kind of, you know, say, you know, chin up, like keep going and, and things will change because sometimes like they do change. Like we had one guy now who got a, an apartment just after looking for months and he rang last night so happy like we were looking after him and he got a place and uh, he just rang and he said this was like the start of my life you know and he didn't know what to say but he was he was so emotional like and so happy that he eventually found a place and it must and be great gratification started, for you in that then as well there is it because he started his first day in college yesterday and he said could you believe it I get the apartment I start you know but he, he just rang to, to leave us know and to, to thank us you know for for helping him and we just say look keep it up but we're always at the end of the phone like um, you know where we are yeah I know I know don't be afraid to come back like you know know. things you know and stuff but yeah and like students our students and look the the ordinary family out there that are putting their children through college are doing it to kind of help them better their lives and, and to make things better for them and they are struggling for to do oh, it. Sure, I know, but you you know the way people and responded when they heard of this and they I were do. talking about all the socialising and the parties. And, 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 and I, I just say, like, there's thousands upon thousands of students in the universities. And, like, not all of them drink or, or take drugs or do stuff wrong like that. Like, uh, you well, know, an empty belly is an empty belly, isn't it? An empty belly is an empty belly. And, like, look, it's, it's already like we're not supposed to judge, like, and we try not to, but it doesn't mean you can make a fool out of us either. Because, you know, I'd say straight up to somebody, if they were, like, you know, air, top yourself on, like, you yeah, know, something yeah, know, like that. I know, yeah. uh, and, and whatever. You, you know, you, you have to call a spade a spade as well. And I think people appreciate that about us, like, that, you know, we say, we will help, like, but don't screw us over, like, either. You and know? are you going into your busiest season now as we head into winter, would you think? September's been very rough. And the reason it's very been very rough is with the children going back to school. A lot of parents were worried like that they wouldn't open up again and it wouldn't happen. And and then they were struggling because of a lot of parents would have been out of work. They might have been on the pop payment, but that might have been a lot lower than what they were earning. Of course. So they were struggling right, left and centre. So September was rough. You know, we were getting phone calls. And I'd say they were rough because they were rough on the person having to make them. You know, we were their last resort, like, and they were only ringing us out of desperation. desperation yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. like, that that is. And I would say to anyone, look, as you said, Hungry Belly is a Hungry Belly. Yeah. And, and Hungry Belly of a student, like, how can they possibly sit down and study and learn? You can't do it. And your mind is, is a hell to you, like. Yeah, yeah. No, you're always there. Is there anything you need? Is there any appeal that's on at the moment in any way, shape or form? Well, you know, like, the non-perishables are always very good. And people will be very good to us now. It'll be coming up to Christmas. They know what we do and they know the amount of work that we put in as well. Like, And that's that's absolutely, 
you know, like the volunteers are just phenomenal. They, they, they'll do anything. Like, you know, you need only just say to them, can you do this? You know, and that's extra to what they already do. And they do. And like we gear ourselves down and we plan Christmas. We've already sat down and we've kind of come up with our plan for Christmas. And the thing about us is we stick by it. We go that road, you know, to make sure that it works because... If it works for us, it'll work for all the people that need us. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what we work off of. So we'll stick to that. So non-perishables all the time are always very Your good. non-perishables is what? Your rice, your pastas, your canned food, is it? It is, yeah. And, you know, simple things like pot noodles, yeah. hot cups, you know, Cereal. a cup of water in them, even if you've only a kettle to boil the water. You know, we, we, we're very lucky with the cereal because... Um, Duns are very good to us in, in giving us cereals and uh, all the Duns like we have Bellancolic Bandon Court we have Douglas Court that's great to Bishop's hear Court, yeah. and we have Blackpool and Balavalan and Patrick Street so they're really very good for, for all that and they've been doing that for ages because when we're when all the families know we're going back to school that needed our help, like we gave them plenty of cereals and porridge and ready bread, you know and all that stuff and it's, it's grand like that they, you know we can throw in you know what, what you need for a breakfast, and it, like if a kid comes from school, a bowl of cereal until maybe the dinner is ready. Like right. will help them yeah, too. That's as well. right. like, oh, that's the practicalities that's of it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're, we're very, I suppose, practical would probably be what we're known for. We're very practical. No point in giving somebody, you know, like you know they, they say if you if you give a man a fish and not like he fish, you know, but no point in giving them a fish and not if you have no river to fish out of, like so. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> we're we're quite practical in what we give as well, and and you know, like um, and, and like the help that we get from you know the shops, from the public, from the schools, from the colleges, you know, no matter what way we get it, we get it, uh, the companies, we get huge amounts of you know, effort put into all the help that they give us. They don't just fling stuff at us willy nilly; like they take great care. They'll ring, they'll ask you what's needed now, and off they go and they'll get it you know so well listen you're very that. passionate about what you do what would we do without you that's all I know oh. in fairness yeah. what would we do without the people at Kirk they're you're dead right brilliant. you're dead right you're dead right <laughs> Katrina it's always good to catch up listen thanks for taking the time I'll thanks let you get back to it as always appreciate it thanks a million cheers thanks as much. always Katrina Take to me uh, with Penny Dinners your thoughts on that a welcome text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 1850104106 my apologies to Paul I'm terribly sorry but that we'll pick it up after 11 I'm Rory and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Listening to the Emerald Award-winning Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Now the €250 voucher to do again today, courtesy of ourselves and Easy Living Interiors. They have exclusive sofa events for all your sofa and armchair needs at Easy Living. Further details online at easylivinginteriors.ie. And I believe they're doing an online interior style awards as well where you can get yourself uh, an opportunity to win a five five thousand euro towards your own home design. You'll fall, find all that uh, online and at Easy Living Interiors. 250 every day until Thursday. And then on Friday, a 1,000 euro voucher to spend on the home. As well as that, no time to die. It's the cinemas on Thursdays. We have double passes between now uh, and midday today on that one. So stay listening. We'll open the phone lines a little later on. Lines are open at one 104 Patrick standing by. Mossy, Philomena and Eilish. I ran out of time just before 11 though and I wanted to talk to Paul. Paul, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, and you, of course, are in hospitality with the three little piggies. You wanted to pick up on hungry students. Did you hear my conversation with Katrina? I did. I heard the conversation. When I saw it online yesterday evening, I was quite surprised that uh, there were students going hungry because there's a lot of work out there. Right. Um, obviously, it's always kind of traditional that the students come back. Catering industry takes on a lot of part-time students. There must be a thousand jobs in the city at the moment that restaurants, bars, cafes are, are advertising. Uh, are you, are you saying they're advertising the on their windows, are they? They're, they're advertising on their windows even, yeah. They're, they're finding it very hard to guess, get people. Now, is it a case of that? Are you still there? Yeah, is it, is it restaurants, yeah. bars, delis, fast food, delis, hotels, yeah. anybody involved hotels. in hospitality? Now, is it a case of that these students are working and that the wages are so low that with the cost of living that this is what they're being I, I don't know. You have the Susie grant. You have families then attempting to supplement the students' living by giving them money. You have the Susie grant as well, of course. And um, perhaps part-time work, you know, a combination of all of that. I mean, in, in, our, in, in my own family, that was the case, all right? There would have been um, a, not a, no Susie Grant, but the, the government paid half, three grand, and you paid 3,000 a yeah. term. But, but in, in our own case, they both had part-time jobs, you know? Yes. No, but, they, but, they were, but they were living at home, you see. Yeah, you see, the, the, when I was in college myself in Cork City, I went out to the RTC, which is a CIT now, and I, I worked five nights a week in O'Keefe's restaurant in Moston Street, and that paid my way through college. So, yeah, but you were living I, at home, Paul. I wasn't, I was, I was actually, I'm originally from West Limerick, so okay. I was renting in okay. Cork City. All right. I was renting. Now, I, I just, is it, I might be out of touch, is it, but is it a case of that the rents are gone so high and the wages are poor being offered that they're in this position? Well, I mean, I, I, there, there was some concern that maybe penny dinners might be taken as a soft touch by students who for saying, oh, listen, we won't have to worry about food because we can get it for free every day. We can spend our money on whatever we want. But she said she's not a soft touch. She knows... She knows yeah, the chancellors from the genuine people. I, I would believe, Katrina, and that. And I, I would believe that nobody would be going to penny dinners unless they really needed to use this. But I, I think it opens up the question that if these students aren't working, why aren't they looking for work? On the other hand, if they are working, are the wages that bad that they're put into a position where they have to go to penny dinners, which brings into question, should they be getting higher wages? Well, you tell me. You're in hospitality. What is it? Is it minimum wage? Is it what is it? Ten twenty? Oh, no, my my staff are all on well above in, in industry average, well above us, and I make sure of that because I've had three full time staff with me from day one that are still with me, and that don't want to go anywhere. I make sure that they're happy. You possibly so, are the exception. Would you think? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that. But I, I think other premises like the likes of bars, restaurants, cafes, if, if they, they put up their prices a small bit and advertise the fact that they're paying a living wage on their windows and stuff. So would you, you, you'd, lo- you'd love to know how many students going to penny dinners are actually holding down a part-time job? That's the question I have. And is it a case of that that they are working, but the wages are so bad that they have to do this. Yeah. Texter here tends to agree with you. Most of the students could work. My God, there are so many companies now looking for staff. Window after window 
with signs, we are hiring. Why do they not want to work like we all had to do? I would like that question answered. I would think there's at least a thousand jobs in the city centre alone at the moment in, in catering shops, everything like that, that are crying out for staff. And I think the, the Restaurants Association in Cork and the Vintners in Cork, they should be going to the union in UCC and advertising these jobs up there because mm. if they're finding it hard to fill them, go to the source for... Mm where you have the, the, the staff looking for the work. Yeah, well, you got to drill into what kind of prices they're paying in rent in a house share as well then. It's probably yeah. something like five, 600 a month, I would think, to start per student, wouldn't it be? It would be, it would be. It's a stressful ten, uh, time for them with some students with rent and everything like that, you know. But there is, for those that are not working, there is work out there. Okay, my man, as always, and thank you for that. Just on, on, on Katrina there, I've seen on her page she's advertised that for a donation of 500 euros, any company out there or anything like that, she dedicates the, the day to you up there for, for supporting her. I'll be dropping up a cheque to Katrina next week from the Trail of Good Piggies to support her on one of the days. And anybody else out there listening... How does that work? Do, for 500 euros, yeah, they... For 500 euros, you're supporting the whole day, basically from start to finish, and she dedicates the day to your company for doing so. So I only saw that last week. Well done. And you're going to be you're going to be one of those companies. I, I imagine also, Paul, that a contribution or a char that would be a charitable tax deductible expense for companies, wouldn't it? It would. It would be. Yeah, that's still there. So I, I'd be able to put that in. I guess a certain write off on the five hundred. Not all of it, but. I would get some of those. Uh, fair play to you. Know? Fair play to you. It's, it, that's not what motivates you, but people should be aware of it all the same. Well done. While well, you're putting your money where your mouth is. Well done, pal. Take care, Paul. Thanks for taking the call. God bless. These Bye-bye. are the companies we should be supporting, the likes of Three Little Piggies Cafe on Union Quay, who in themselves are supporting Cork Penny Dinners. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can always email neil at redfm.ie. There are 18 families hurting on side this morning. Of that, you can be sure. And tonight, the RT Investigates program will tell the story of some, perhaps all of those families, the incineration of uh, um, baby organs uh, abroad without the consent or the knowledge of bereaved parents. Philomena standing by. First up, Eilish, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You call it another vicious scandal in Ireland. Absolutely. I, I, it was the first thing I was saying to Ema. I woke up to this morning when I put my phone on and I swear to God, Neil, I felt sick. Before, like... It's absolutely, absolutely disgusting and disgraceful, right? Now, my thoughts were that, you know, it's scandal after scandal every single day, you know? And, um, like, it's like, is it going to be pushed under the carpet? That was the next thing, do you know? Um, I mean, well, let's, let, the, firstly, we'll, we'll watch the program tonight to get more information. I mean, I did, I did speak with uh, Aoife Hegarty, um, the, the, um, the, I, the I reporter listening, yeah, earlier this yeah, morning. Um, so we, we know quite an amount, uh, of these, um, the, the, the multiple baby organs that were being stored in the morgue. Mm-hmm. And then they said that they were anticipating um, increased deaths at the hospital and needed space to yeah, be freed space up. Space for time. Oh, they nearly fit into a little shopping basket for be, God's they, sake. So there were newborn babies and sometimes yes. premature babies, tiny, tiny, oh, tiny, tiny yeah. I'm not allergic all day because Neil just said that like something very similar happened many years ago to a person I know, right? And um, 
their children who died, right? Their organs were taken away without their permission. You might remember this now, it's a long time ago. And um, I do I do remember it. I do remember, remember it, yeah. And yeah. Well, I do remember the scandal of it all at the time, yeah. And they took the, the organs away for testing and research and all that rubbish without the parents' consent. I don't know how the outcome ever, you know, whatever happened. I think in some and of that, the cases, they still had the, the baby's organs and in some of the cases, they were, how can I put this, repatriated to the family who buried the organs with the, the baby. But that's probably because they were found out. Oh, yeah, I know. This was after the event, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like... I also saw on um, the comments this morning that uh, another establishment in this country are doing it for years. Well, I haven't seen those comments and I'm happy to take a look at them. Um, But as as the show says tonight, there's a big difference between burying or cremating an organ um, the proper ways and also um, with the uh, agreement of the family and incinerating it in a foreign country with clinical waste like needles and dressing and medical stuff like that. No, it's I'm telling you, it's now like those 18 families, there's, there's going to be more. More will come out, Neil, watching it because uh, they did it once. They've been doing it for a while. Well, I thought and so. COVID, talk about rubbish. But listen, to me, the first thought came to my head, I swear to God, I'm so cross, Neil. I said, if I had enough money to get the hell out of this country and buy a property abroad, I'd be gone like a bad And where would you go? Um, I'd love to go to France. Why? Because of the crap that's going on here every single day. To even listen to that girl yesterday that was on 250, um, charged 114 taxes and is now 211. I mean, like, where are they going? Oh, that she's earning less now than she ever did, even yeah, less than when she was and getting it's gonna a going to happen to everybody. Yeah. It's going to happen to everybody. It's a pure deterrent for anybody to go back to work. I'm telling you, if I... I, you can feel the crossness in my my um, my voice. You you just want to? Are you saying retire overseas? Is it? Well, I can't because I don't have enough money to go. Yeah, but yeah. if I had, I would be gone out of here because it's nothing. Um, it's nothing. Every single day, I, I dread watching that program tonight, but I will watch it. Right. And okay. every single day, like there's some CRAP going on. In our country. You just don't want to be more. here anymore. And do you have friends like that as well who want to, I mean, for some people it might be a sunnier climate, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, where they're better for your mental health and your physical health. The, o- the only thing that would deter me is my, my daughter and her, her boyfriend have bought a house in um, Waterford City and... Other than that, you'd that be gone. Would kind of deter me. If they decide to come with me, it would be great. But it won't happen, Neil, because I can't afford it. Simple as that. Okay. Um, right. What was I going to say? Um, the other okay. thing I wanted to say there, Neil, can I have two more minutes, a uh, minute, uh, less, 30 seconds? I want to say Katrina Toomey should be running this country. She's the most amazing person I've met her. And um, I think a little GoFundMe page or something should be set up because even 20 euros in one of the big supermarkets would provide a well, lot of they're not and, they're not in any way appealing for uh, cash funding or anything like that but they wouldn't refuse it I can tell you that yeah so what what I'm thinking of doing here and I'm going to go to my local shops there now in a minute because they used to do a little shop in Ballyhooley they used to have um, a little box 
and you'll buy something put into that for penny dinner. Get it started, you know? absolutely. Per- non-perishables, good for you. I think every, listen, you should put that out near the, every shop in the country or in Cork or down here in Waterford. Should have a little box and I would gladly buy bags of pasta and soup and stuff from, you know. Then deliver it up yourself when the box is full or the hamper is full. Thanks, well, Elish. Look, af- look after yourself. I want to talk to Philomena here. I was lovely chatting with you. Philomena, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How thank, are you? Thank you for holding. Your your thoughts on this this scandal? I'm appalled, annoyed, I'm shocked, but not surprised. Not surprised. It wasn't handled very sensitively, though, was it? No, it wasn't, and I think like the scandals that had pre had come before um, this one, which I revert to the one from twenty years ago, where they retained babies' organs before uh, letting the parents know. That was uh, that a case was where one. families were bearing little babies, not knowing that parts yes. of the babies had been taken out. Yes. Uh, without being told that they had, there had been a postmortem done, and that's why I'm annoyed because now we have little babies who have had postmortems done on them, where their tiny little pieces wouldn't even fit on a little shelf, and they decide I know, to yeah, I know, them. I know, and um. it just annoys me uh, because many years ago I would have been in a position where I was asked, "Did I want a postmortem done on my son?" and I refused. Was he a small little no. baby? He was. He was born at 36 weeks. He was six, six pounds, 13 ounces, a fine, long, big boy. But unfortunately, he was still born. And I was asked, would I allow for a postmortem? And I said, no. Mm. Why did you say? Was, was there a reason for that? My reason for no was that he was already dead. He didn't suffer. But why would you want to do, perform anything on a tiny baby? It just didn't make sense. And it still doesn't make sense. Because you can't make sense of something that happens. Unfortunately, I'm one of a lot of mothers that it would have happened to. So yeah, I mean, I was up. looking at the 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 organ retention scandal from the noughties, um, and there yeah. were there were you know there were, there are stories still online where you where you can read uh, one girl yeah. buried her stillborn son in January 1990. And it was only 11 years later that she discovered that his organs were removed without her permission and incinerated afterwards. Um, yes. Uh, so here's the scandal. It's still going on. We're still 20 years down the line and we would have had the Eastern Health Board, the Southern Health Board, the Western Health Board, the Northern Health Board. And here they all formed into one big HSE and not one of them can actually turn around and say that we have processed everything, we have done our jobs correctly, when you can pull a scandal out of anything within a year or two of something happening. It just drives me insane that these parents are being put through just now. And I'm just so mad, I'm irate, just listening, just even reading the comments. Like, And I then in May of last time. year, management didn't rate the incident as serious, but did express what's concern. What's not serious about a baby? Not, what's, what's not serious about retaining a baby's organs to give back to the parents to bury them properly? But they did say what? that they were concerned about the adverse publicity for the hospital if it became public. Ooh. See, adverse yes. publicity for the yeah. hospital because oh, the no, UH are getting a battering because of everything that they've been doing since the dreaded COVID-19. And I'm like, I totally want to get into that. Yeah, but we didn't know how many people would be sick and we didn't know how many people would be dead and we we didn't didn't know how many more places would be needed. 
But Neil, we didn't have body after body in morgues like they like they said we would. We had tiny, tiny little bits of little babies that wouldn't have filled the size of a mobile phone even if they were just tiny little biopsies taken. No, no, I mean, I, I, I hate, I, I hate doing this. I hate doing this, but it was little Lee's brain. Yes. So, I mean, what, that wouldn't have even been the size of my hand. I mean, tiny, small. tiny, tiny, tiny. You know, it, they're tiny. So why could they not have put them somewhere safe? In a secure location and had their little names with this is baby A, baby B. Prioritize them, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. Because they were the priority. They were the priority of their parents and their parents gave their permissions to... But you were talking about heartbroken, mourning parents, yeah. Yes. Yes. And now you have them dealing with this now again. But if it's true the manner in which they were, in the the manner in which they were incinerated, sent to Belgium along with clinical waste. Clinical waste comes out of bins. Yes, I know, Neil. I have been in hospitals myself. I've seen the clinical waste being Plastic collected bags. at 5 a.m. in the morning into yellow bags and disposed of. I've seen it. So, I mean, can you imagine? They, in, they, no, I'm not saying intentionally, but they were told to dispose of them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to go into the market, put them in a yellow incineration bag and sent away. Okay, will you, will you do me a favour and watch the show tonight, Philomena, and I perhaps we be. might chat again tomorrow after it? I couldn't. I couldn't bring no. myself to look at that. I okay. couldn't. No, yeah. I watched the one. I watched the one of the home, the care home. I know. And I, okay. just, I said, well, never it's, well, listen, it's raw to you because it brings back the thoughts of your own little baby twenty-four years ago. Of course, it's it, it, it's it's not it's not that it's raw. Neil. It's the way that they have come across and it told the parents and how it's after being exposed. And no, it's because the stunt that they've pulled with the way it was left out and let out to the media that they're like, oh, we're going to have to cover this up. We're going to have to do something to bring the people back to the fold. Well, whatever happened, again. it got out. Whatever happened, it, it got, got out. It got out and it's after getting out and it's going to infuriate not just parents, but a lot of other people know as well. Half nine tonight, RT1. Thanks, Philomena. It Thanks for taking my call. Okay. Thanks, Neil. No right. bad. If you do happen to watch it, come back to me anyway. You say you won't. I know. I, know. I won't, Neil. All no right, girl. Thanks okay. very much. Take, Take care. care love. Bye. Bye-bye. All the best. Bye. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Many texts then on uh, other issues, including this bonus. Now, I know I was talking earlier on about, um, you know, whether or not there would be an additional uh, bank holiday. Remember I was saying just when I came on the air there at 9 o'clock, I was comparing other countries. We have nine bank holidays. If you think that's a lot, it, by comparison to other countries all around the world, it is not. So we're in the offing for the 10th and somebody somewhere suggested February. I think it was a broadcaster suggested. I was thinking February would be an awful dumb month. You know, who wants a long weekend in the middle of winter? You'd want it in July. Day nothing in July. So put it in there or put it into... Um, September has nothing, so there's nothing in September either. July is September. Then we get a good run of the summer, the early autumn, with the bank holiday in every single month. It's no brainer to me. But look at other countries around the world in the amount. Now, some of them are very far away from us. Like Argentina has 19 public holidays, bank holidays. Bangladesh has 22. Cambodia has 28. Egypt has 22. What else? I forget. India has 21. Hong Kong, 17. Uh, I was trying to find some that were closer to us, maybe that might have, you know, similar amounts of, um, of bank holidays. And the only one I can find is the United Kingdom, which has 10. Um, the United States has 12. You know, that kind of thing. So even at nine, we're Paddy last in that one. We deserve one more, if not um, maybe half a dozen more. 
mind at the end of the day I suppose it's the it's the employers that have to to pick up the tab anyway so that's where we're at but, but certainly I think something in July or September would make sense so that's one of the bonuses uh, what about us cleaners I went back in June last year and I'm working longer hours now because of COVID to make sure that workplaces are safe yes doctors nurses and retail staff are amazing but cleaners are always forgotten about where would you have been without cleaners what would you have been without, without people who are sanitising workplaces the average industrial wage is very different to the median wage this wage would be a far more accurate thing to speak about when addressing government policy Okay, a lot of this is following up my conversation with Michael McGrath yesterday. The average salary in Ireland is mid 40,000. What's this guy on? I've been working full time since I finished college eight years ago after I completed my master's and only this year have I broken through the 30,000 barrier. My partner's the same. Um, just another confirmation that these politicians don't have the foggiest about what the reality is for real people. Morning, Neil. I worked right through the whole pandemic. My boss claimed the COVID-350 sub- uh, subsidy for everyone at work. 28 of us. The company was never busier. They got almost €300,000 from the government. And I got hit with a tax bill of €2,700. Where is the fairness in any of this? Uh, there is no fairness, and I'm not even sure that that's legal to be claiming pop where somebody's in full-time employment on behalf of your boss. Uh, from the debate from frontline workers, I am what you call a frontline worker. I worked in a supermarket all throughout the two years. I was at the door from the start because my section of the store was closed, so it was hard. You have no idea how hard. I've worked with the same supermarket for 18 years, and I've never had the stress of building yourself up, going into work, and then go home to your family after work. I would cry in the car at the side of the road before I go in the door home. Mother of God. My husband was fantastic. He did all the homework. Even if we get a bank holiday, we, the shop workers, wouldn't even see the benefits of that because the shop was still open. What I would love to see, though, is close the shop the day after Christmas and the day after New Year's Eve. I would love that more than a a one-off bonus. Some of the big supermarkets in England are already saying they're closing to give their staff time at home. Love the show. Can't come on air. Thanks for the text. Saddened to hear that you would cry in the car before going in home. But you you don't give me the specifics. You you don't have to give me the specifics of, you know, why were you so stressed? Why was the stress building up? Why was it difficult going to work? Why was it hard going home? Why would you cry? What was happening to you in the workplace? with regards to customers that was making you feel that way. Perhaps you might come back. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines. Very busy morning. Con, good morning. Neil, good morning to you. How are you doing? Good, thanks, my man. You and I heard Con's stories, Francis's stories. Uh, He was on three bags of, uh, three packets of Rollies a day and 12 cans. And when I was chatting to him at 20 past 10, he had five cans. Did you want to pick up on that? Well, five can You see, uh, I suppose I, I'm, as you know, a retired seafarer. Yeah. And any time was a good time, you know. It didn't really matter was it day or night, early morning, mid-morning, midday. I suppose that's why, you know, it was no great shock to me um, to hear Francis make that admission, you know. The admission that he starts drinking beer first thing in the morning. Yeah, but of course he started very young too. I started between uh, when I was about 11, you know, drinking and smoking when I was about nine. Right, right. I, I, I had, I was in the same old road as him. I picked up the old doggins, as they call them, in some places. But I made my own pipe out of a cotton spool, a reel, with a bamboo stem on it, and I was able to decant them into the old pipe and smoke away. You know, after the collection of the old bag butts, and of course, then 
Uh, even when I was going to the national school, I was uh, there was an old pub on the way home. A lady ran the pub. It was known as the Hen Shit Inn. And um, I would get a bottle of beer off her if I had the ten old pennies. How old were you? Then, eleven. Between t- about eleven. And an eleven-year-old publican, was she was serving you bottles of beer? Yeah, but she told me not to tell my mother. Did she not? Did she not realise that you were that you were eleven? <laughs> she did. She saw the school bag on my back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, um, it's an interesting. It was an interesting day. name for a pub, isn't it? The Hen S H I T in. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> that's very interesting because there was wildlife in the pub as well. You know, there was <laughs> indoors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, but the but the drinking beer at eleven and the smoking cigarettes at an even younger age from a pipe from other people's butts that caused a problem for you, did it? Well, I, I actually uh, it did. Yeah, I, I drank very heavily for I suppose for I don't know maybe thirty five forty years. I was away at sea for a lot of that. We got it next to nothing. We drank when we shouldn't drink. We drank on dry ships when you you shouldn't drink. So we always had a way to do it and. Uh, we were just, look, we were big drinkers. Seafarers had, to be fair, now had a bit of a reputation for a large intake of the old alcohol, yeah. the old hooch, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, to be fair, I suppose, if we were to blame somebody, we could blame the companies for supplying it for a pound a litre. When you're saying litre, so it was hard liquor, it was whiskey, oh, vodka, gin. It would be, would be whiskey, or it would be whiskey, it wouldn't be top class uh, whiskey, but it would be vodka, gin, you know, for a, 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 about a pound a litre. All over be, the world, cheapest chips then, yeah. Uh, it would be cheaper, so I used to, I walked in the West Indies and the East Indies and I used to get over, over, over um, proof, they call it out there. The ladies used to make it in their back, in their back, uh, in, the, in the kitchen. That was heavy duty stuff. And w- would would that have been first thing in the morning? Say, for instance. Oh, it could be. Yeah, it could be any time. It was a bit of a spontaneous habit we have. If somebody came to my door at seven o'clock, rattling from the night before, they'd knock at the door and they say, "Kind of, we got an old, any, we got a livener." That was the expression. And of course, I say, "Come in," and I sure I might have one as well. And we start away all day. You know, it was just, it was just the way it was. And wh- when did that become a problem then? Well, I never thought it was a problem. I'm off it now 16 years. It was only a problem if we couldn't get it, <laughs> as we thought at the time, you know. So you just stopped? Well, you say, yes, we, I was on a voyage, I think it was through the Pacific, and I, I was pretty well known with the ship's crew for being under, in the premiership division of drinking. And I stood up and I said, you better listen to the Irish man, I said, because I won't be saying this again. I said, you, I had two cans of Carlsberg beer in my hand. I said, these are the last two cans of alcohol I'm ever going to drink, and that's exactly what happened. Why did you say that? Well, I, 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 I knew that, you know, when you can drink all day and it has no effect on you, like there's something not right, is there? Really? Yeah. No yeah, effect. We, drink all, we, we would drink all day. We would drink any time of the day. It didn't matter to us. Because, to be fair, I, I'm not trying to make excuses, Neil, but we didn't actually have a lot more to do. We had, you could go you could go down to the lock, you could go wherever you liked. Uh, we actually had no place to go. We, we, it, was a, it was a part of all the environment that we were working in. On board ship? On board ship, yeah. Oh, yeah, on board. Ah, but then I'd be heading off ashore to an old she bean and I'd be larging it again with other stuff that, you know, that, that's how it went. You know, it's a, it's a quite an interesting story. But I look, 
I, I have never touched it again since the day I gave it up. As you say, you've been on unleaded fuel for 16 years. 16 years since July just gone, and I'm off to cigarettes for about 40 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quit smoking. Uh, I was smoking the international, what did they call it? It was the international pleasure of, of smoking. It was Peter Stuyvesant. I was a posh smoker at the end, and I quit. A pot smoker? Posh. Posh, oh, as in Peter Stuyvesant were a, were, a, were a posh brand. Posh brand, yeah. They were. They came in an American type of wrapping. You just stick them out and one popped out. And do, you know, do you know of your work colleagues down through the years, whether they any of them quit or did it kill any of them? Probably. Oh, God, a lot of them are dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot of them are gone, yeah, and they died very prematurely, you know. Cirrhosis of the liver, organ failure, things like that. Yeah, but I, I actually, there's something that I never failed, and I always had my breakfast, I always had my lunch, I always had my dinner. If we were on a long session, like from 10 in the morning to midnight, I made my three pit stops. I'd have my breakfast, I'd have my lunch, and I'd have my dinner. And it never happened. And when you were doing, would that have been regular enough, 10 in the morning till midnight? If that was regular enough, did anybody ever say, we're crazy, what are we doing, life shouldn't be like this? Oh, but don't forget the, the seniority on the ship as well. They were also good at it. You know, everybody was at it. It wasn't just me. The masters were quite good at drinking. You know, the senior people on the ship, they were all big drinkers. Not all of them, a lot of them were very big drinkers. I don't, I don't wish to overly share, um, you know, what Francis had to say, but he did touch on a background in industrial schools. So he's, he's carrying a lot of trauma from his childhood, you know. And, uh, and again, I, I don't mean to overly personalize my conversation with you regarding him. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering, is that the reason it clearly is why he, he is, is drinking so many cans that he's, he's, he's carrying oh, a lot of nightmares? Uh, well, well, definitely. But to be fair now, I'm just going to say this, and I wouldn't want to go too far into it. My father was, uh, he, he was, uh, he was uh, in an industrial school, but he never had a drink problem. Mm. Uh, and he, became, he was a great man. He was very popular. He was a scratchman. He was a blacksmith. He was a farrier. Great athlete. But like a lot of them, he was a lucky one. I know lots of people, Neil, who went off to London and they never ever set foot in Ireland again. They died very young. The, the pressure was too much. You know, I've met so many. I've met so many from Litterfrack, from the Glen, from Upton. From uh, I've met so many people who are in that situation. They left right? to work at a young age and in the likes of London, is it, and places like that? Well, my father didn't go to London at the beginning. He got a great apprenticeship here as a blacksmith. But the chaps that lovely. you met that did, they just couldn't... Oh, they did, yeah. They, I met him, listen, I met him, Neil, I've met him in London, I've met him in Australia, I've met him in New Zealand. I have met him in America, you know. They don't always want to talk about it, and I never, I wasn't making any inquiries about their lives, but I was able to tell him because I was a sibling of one, so then they but were they, were they, did they lead long, sad lives? You know, difficult no, lives? Not, not all of them, Neil. No, not all of them, but a lot of them did. A lot of them couldn't look. If you ever speak, you must have, you have, I know you have actually spoke to them, because yeah. I've actually heard you in the past yeah. talking to someone. Uh, it, it, I think even for my father, it was extremely difficult, because sometimes, you know, he, 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 he would be a bit distant, you know. And looking back at it, that would have probably been it. The reasons why. No, I I acknowledge that. I I was Mm. curious about those that came from an industrial school background or those that were victims of paedophilia or clerical abuse, those those horrible stories that that left Ireland and how life was for them. Did they you're saying that some of them are very lonely, isolated um um you know, lives where they suffered with addictions as a consequence to it and and had zero quality of life overseas, you know, and died. 
Yeah, died alone away from than, home. Sorry, Neil, for shooting across you there. It's a bit more than that. I've met him in Australia. I met him in New Zealand because I spent a fair bit of time down that part of the world. They never, ever wanted to set foot on Ireland again. Never. And, you know, I'd be sitting down, I'd be having, you know, beer with him or whatever, and, and I'd, I might ask the question, why not? They said, well, we just started a new life, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, okay. That, that was it. You know, but anyway, look, for me, I'm on the dry, I'm smoke-free, al- alcohol-free, and I'm happy enough, you know? Great to catch up with you. Look after yourself, Con, as always. Take, Take care. You. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, on uh, bank holidays or public holidays, Mark says, just with regards to uh, the UK, which is different countries, um, apparently England and Wales only get eight bank holidays. Scotland gets nine. And Northern Ireland gets 10. So he's suggesting that everybody should move to Northern Ireland to get the 10. Others are suggesting to me that the difference, say, between R9 and, say, America and Canada, who get an awful lot more, is that they get a lot less holidays when it comes to the job. They get two weeks. Like, sometimes it's only 10 or 12 days. Uh, We, most of the time, most people get significantly more holidays than that. Um, Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Now, sometime in the next 12 or 13 minutes, you're listening out for two different pieces of audio. One is a €250 voucher for Easy Living Interiors. Be inspired. Check them out at Easy Living Interiors and check them out online as well. So, who's hiding? Who runs into the room and hides behind the sofa? Have a listen to this. Um, mostly I, I survived I guess but on, on a rare occasion um, I think it only happened once or twice ok so fairly straightforward uh, I'll play that one more time between now and midday and open the phone lines don't call just yet and if you're a Bond fan then we have double passes for the Thursday screening of No Time to Die and you're listening out for this the name's Bond James Bond. Fair play to you, Mr. Bond. Right, uh, so that's between now and midday. The clock's ticking on both of those. By one or two calls before I love you and leave you. Jerry standing by. Let's see how we get on with Mossy. Mossy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. For you, it was the Alan Carr book, was it? Oh, yes, Neil. The Alan Carr book did the trick, all right, yeah. And had you tried oh, numerous yes, other times the before the book? Yeah, I got uh, hypnosis and the chewing gum and that kind of, that kind of stuff and nothing worked, you know. Nothing so worked. I read that from cover to cover. And uh, that was the end of my smoking, thank God, up to today anyway. Well, were you a heavy smoker? Very heavy, very heavy, Neil. I, I smoked from about um, 12, I'd say, to 48. And did your folks know at the age of 12 you were smoking? Yeah, I'd say they had a fair idea, all right, you know. I used to go off out the back and smoke and that kind of thing, like, and until I got uh, old enough to buy my own cigarettes, and I was off to Nick Rocket, and I smoked every day and smoked very, very heavy. How heavy is you very know, heavy? So. Yes, I was at least 40 a day at the end, at least. I'd say, you know. So, nothing would work. And um, you would, You'd be on to your third box regularly, is it? I'd be on to my third box and I'd be worrying that I wouldn't have enough in case I woke up during the night. Like, they were in a complete and utter madness and obsession. But they're, um, You'd wake in the night well, to smoke? I would. Like, uh, if, I, if I woke up, I'd definitely have a cigarette. You know, and first thing in the morning, I'd have a cigarette. Phil told me last know, week that she... Phil told me last week that she'd, she'd wake up a couple of times a night. Yes. She's, and on each of those occasions, she smoked maybe three cigarettes? No, I wouldn't. I'd smoke one. And if I woke, I'd just, like, to me, automatically have a cigarette. There'd be no question about it. Just have a cigarette, you know, and that'd be it. You know, and then um, I got sick then in 03. 
So I had a good, I had a good reason to stop. You Was know? it from the fags that you got I, sick? Yeah, well, the fags were definitely, definitely a part of it. You know, the way the cigarette would stick to your lip now and again, you saw it was sticking my lip and pulling it out. I know, did you ever smoke now or not? Yeah, but, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, to stick, it, to stick to the lip, you know, and I ended up getting a cold sore in my mouth in the corner of my lip. And, and anyway, between the jigs and the reels, it ended up being a thing called lower lip carcinoma, which is lower lip cancer, right? So that was directly uh, involved with smoking, you know? God almighty. But, and did you, did so you beat then, that? I did. Uh, I, well, I a fantastic surgeon in the in the COH at the time. This is going back to two or three, you know, Neil, like that's eighteen years. And you ago. beat it, yeah. And, um, yeah. and do you worry? Do you worry job. that even though you've stopped now and have been off them so long that that yeah. that cancer might return? Is that a worry or anything? No, 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 no. I'm dead safe. Like I had to go back for five years for checks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For the five year thing. And, and the lungs are good and everything, are they? Pardon. The lungs are good and everything. Everything is fantastic. I, I fit her note in what he, I'm fit her note in what he was when I was smoking. To be quite honest, and four or five stone lighter. Okay. So like, that's the thing. Like you'd hear people talking about weight, you know, that they put on weight when they when they stop smoking. I think it's the opposite. You, you you know because when I was smoking, I was totally unfit, and then when I stopped smoking, I was able to get a bit fit, and the weight came off. You know what I mean? Not for everybody, though. Some people do put Not it on because they end up craving other things, sweet it things. It depends on yourself if you want to do something. Do you know what I mean? And you read but, the book uh, and that was it. You just stopped having read I the read book. I read the book and uh, it was a friend of mine, uh, like, even after having that operation at the time, believe it or not, like, with one lip, like, no, you, if you saw me, you know, you, never, you wouldn't even know that the job was so good, you know? Yeah. But at the time, I still kept smoking. I couldn't stop smoking, even with, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. So a friend of mine gave me the book and then I had to go off it and, that was it. Yeah, haven't looked back. Fair play to you, boy. Never Fair play back. to you, Mossy boy. Look after yourself. Right. Cheers. Don't Take know. care. Thank you. All the best. Thank okay, you. Mark, good morning. I'm well. Last call of the day, I'd say. Talking with Katrina Toomey, Penny Dinners, people hungry. They also help to pay people's bills. They clothe people. They give them footwear. They help with back-to-school costs. They're amazing. But what? tell me your, tell me your experience. You were chatting with people, was it? Yeah, well, they're fantastic. Penny Dinners are fantastic, but... I was just in the garage last week, just picking up a few sausage rolls there, about half a score, and the woman behind the counter was just closing up. But there was loads of food left over, and I just asked them to the food that's left over. No, you're breaking up there. There was, like, what kind of food was left over? Well, like sausage rolls, chicken dippers, goujons, chickens, you know, like, um, stuff you see in the deli, you know. And, uh, I often wonder about all of the. I wonder about the cakes a lot, me, and particularly the cream cakes. And at the end, of and the, the day. soup value as well. I was working the soup value, and she said that they're all just dumped at the end of the night, thrown into a bin. The staff can't take them home; they can't sell them for half price at the last door. You know, just the like that's what I'm saying. If they, all the food has been dumped, if they sold it for half price, the last door closing down the shop, whatever. And would you say and there's a lot of waste like that? I'd say there's a fortune race around the city around Ireland itself. And why can't they sell it reduced at the end of the day? I don't know if it's the law of the government or the law of the shops. I I do not know. But all I know is they're told they can't sell it. They have to dump it. And and like, it's a disgrace the amount of waste that's been wasted in this country. It is. Especially where people have been... And how do they feel, did they say? How do they feel about dumping good food? Well, I know the women working there said she can't even take it home to their family as well. Anything at the end of the night, they're not allowed. It's just, it's just, I can't understand it. I don't understand the logic of it. Perfectly good food. Perfectly good fresh food at the end, of, especially cakes. No, especially the cream cakes. They all have to be dumped. Oh, that's uh, there's got to be a better solution than that. 
has to be. As I said, you have to sort of a half price the last door. So if that's happening in delis food. and supermarkets everywhere, can you imagine the volume of waste? So I would like to find out how much volume Ireland gives away waste every year. It's not ridiculous. Okay, well, I hope, I hope maybe we might get more calls on that and more examples of that from people. Text yeah, 0868 Yeah. How's life with you, Mark? How's things with you and uh, Mario and daughter Erin? All good? Yes, I was just going to say thank you very much. Yes, Erin was three there a couple of weeks ago. And she's fantastic. She's we played a little part in helping to get your, your good wife and daughter back from the Philippines. Isn't that right? That's right, that's right. And I, I sent in a message a couple of weeks ago with pictures of Erin. Just to say thank you very much. You haven't forgotten us, in fairness, Mark, in fairness to you. No, no, no. I can never forget you. It must be we great. It must be great to be all together as a happy family. Oh, it's fantastic. We're so lucky. She's a, she's a great child and marriage is unbelievable as well. So is marriage, is she settling in? She's well settled in now, is she? Yeah, yeah. It's just unfortunate. When they came, the pandemic came, so she didn't even see much of the family over the last two years. <laughs> Do you hope to get back so, for a visit? No, I'm with my own family. As long oh, as we yeah. had a... Because of the pandemic, we were... Oh, your own yeah. family, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, know the, I know the way it is, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Everybody had to so do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. so basically it be a couple of years when we go back and we have to let this settle down before we can even think about... It'd be good to go back, back for a visit, wouldn't it, back to the Philippines definitely. to hurt people? Definitely, it would be great. Yeah. Be great. And Erin will be starting school before you know it. Oh, stop. She's, she's an old woman already. She's, <laughs> she's definitely smarter than I am. <laughs> well, listen, it's always lovely to get the photographs and the Christmas cards. Keep them coming. Thanks so much. I will, of course. I appreciate everything. Thank All right, you, my yeah. man. Look after yourself. Cheers. Take care. Thank lovely you. story. Another great success case there from us some years back. Uh, lovely to be able to do that for people. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You know the drill. Okay, who's hiding behind the sofa? Um, mostly, I, I survived, I guess, for, on, on the rare occasion. Um, I think it only happened once or twice. All right, €250 Euro courtesy of ourselves and easy living interiors. Get dialing now, one 850 Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Yes, indeed. Just very quickly, I'm not going to play it again, but we'll take caller nine, see if uh, Maureen or Don, Don Manway can sort it out for us. What do you think, Maureen? Uh, it's Katie Taylor. Fairly straightforward, not a bother to you. Congratulations. Anything you need by way of a 250 euro voucher? Uh, some nice cushions would be nice. Oh, lovely. Cushions for the sofa or the settee. Well, you'll get a fair yeah. handy few of those. Fair play to you. Okay, I've got a 250 euro voucher for you. Spend it well, spend it wisely and enjoy, all right? Will do. Thanks so much. All the best. Take care. Thanks for listening. Down Don Manway way. Moreda Donahue in Don Manway. So that's one. Here's the other. If you're a Bond fan, get on the phone. Caller nine. No time to die. The name's Bond. Oh yeah. James Bond. Oh yeah, Jimmy. Oh yeah, Jimmy. So get dialing for those. This is Thursday showing at the Gate Cinemas, Cork, Mallow, and Middleton. The five o'clock screening with popcorn and Coca-Cola as well. Final few bits and pieces before I leave you for today. Everybody's talking about those who should and should not be rewarded. Uh, Neil, what about the farmers and those who produced all of the food who kept people fed? Um, uh, this dispute will go on and on as to who and should not, who and sh- who should and should not be rewarded, says John, who's listening in France. Uh, Neil, generations of Irish turned into debt slaves. You should ask politicians what happens when interest rates rise to tackle inflation. It's infuriating listening to politicians saying that our national debt will be 280 billion by 2025. 
acting as if that's just fine. As a people, we've never had so much debt. It's 50 grand per citizen now. The government's spending up to 4% and the tax take is down. Um, watch out for interest rates. We'll be in serious, serious trouble then, says Colm. Yes, and you know what? It's some live legacy to give to our children and our grandchildren. And one final, why is it uh, down to the government and ultimately the taxpayer to give a bonus to the people who worked in retail or any private business. Food retailers made a fortune during the pandemic. Let them pay their staff a bonus. The government already paid out a fortune keeping their businesses going. I work in the healthcare sector and I don't think anyone should get extra time off or anyone should get a bonus. We were dealing with an international crisis and it's one we'll be paying for for generations to come. People did their jobs. They were lucky to have their jobs. This isn't free money. We're in major debt. The country needs to recover. People have to get on and stop looking for handouts. I know many others in the health sector who are of the same opinion as me. We're struggling to get staff now because of the generous pop payments of the past. I'd rather see these payments stopped. Full stop. Get people back to work fast. And then the healthcare sector could take their annual leave. I'm in healthcare. Please don't give out my personal details. I won't. Um, and one final one then from um, the late Cormac Daly's family. Of course, he was stabbed and when he died then because he had cancer and they discovered the cancer when they operated. And the man uh, who stabbed him got jail at the back end of last week and I spoke to family members yesterday. Martina Collins is one of the family in the UK and she says, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for your kind words on yesterday's program. I'm the sister of the late Cormac Daly. And of course, Cormac got married while very, very sick and very close to the end. And Martina said it was a very tough time for his wife, children and grandchildren and us as his brothers and sisters. He was our baby brother. We were so pleased that he can rest in peace now that justice has been done. It was tough arranging his wedding, um, but we did it. I couldn't get over due to COVID, but I watched his wedding live. Bless him. He looked so amazing, although so sick. I wouldn't wish this on anyone, Neil, but once again, thank you for your kind words. And that's from Martina, who emailed from the UK. Our lines will stay open at 1850-104-106. Well done to Abby Noonan-Hagerty from Greenfields in Balancholic. Off to sea, no time to die on Thursday. We'll have more of that and lots more besides tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.